around the world. Thank you so much for tuning in to QMCRadio.com and JohnnoRadio.com. Good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Wednesday, November 23, 2022, the day before Thanksgiving in the U.S. of A. It's also hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday. We're taking a trip down memory lane. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee Intel World News on the Go. Off to a late start this morning. Today was just one of those days I just couldn't get it together this morning. I don't know. And sometimes you realize that when you try to be in control of everything all the time, you have a hard time when things don't go <laughs> according to your plan, right? But you have to learn sometimes to step back and understand that it's a part of life. These things do happen. So, let me apologize for the late start this morning. But we're here. We're here. That's the best thing. Grateful. Definitely. I'll be here with you until Bond be on Easter. Do you remember me? Short week. Do you remember me? What are your plans for tomorrow? Me. Staying home. Me. Hanging out with family, friends. stories we have coming up for you today in the caribbean corner out of barbados car dealership calls for more tax concessions on hybrid cars in guyana offices seize 10 million dollars worth of cannabis in haiti the haitians have closed the border between haiti and the, Dom the dominican republic to denounce deportations saint vincent's prime minister defends qatar amidst criticism over world cup out of Jamaica, a follow-up to a story that was previously aired. So the Ocheria's primary uh, vice principal and parent have been charged after alleged tussle. A 
also out of Jamaica, a former footballer implicated in U.S. bank robbery. And midnight snack, man caught stealing ketchup from a woman's kitchen. When I saw that story, brought back a memory from childhood. Talk about that one in a later, <laughs> later on. News out of North America. This one is so sad. When will the gun violence stop in this country? Six people and the assailant dead in a Walmart shooting. How do U.S. gun killings compare with other countries? U.S. progressives reject Republican push against Ilhan Omar. And the U.S. Supreme Court paves path to obtain Trump's tax returns. And what makes the U.S. Senate runoff in Georgia so important? In international news... IMF and South Sudan sign agreement for $112.7 million in emergency funds. And UK's top court rejects Scotland's independence referendum bid. All right, then. Out of Latin America, Cuba condemns Western sanctions against Russia. In business and tech news, FTX was run as a personal fiefdom of former CEO lawyers say. On the lifestyle scene, 10 social rules to live by to improve relationships with others. In entertainment news, the Real Housewives of Potomac fans accuse franchise of colorism. We're going to have the details of these stories and more coming up after this break. Here's a little more from the oldies but goodies. Hashtag WCW Woman Fresh Wednesday. This is Dion Warwick. Raindrops keep falling. Raindrops keep falling on my head. And just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed, nothing seems to fit. Oh, raindrops keep falling on my head. They keep falling. So I just did me some talking to the sun. And I said I didn't like the way he got things done Sleeping on the job those Raindrops are falling on my head They keep falling But there's one thing I know The blues they sent to meet me Lord knows to my surprise The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man Yes, he was, he was Yes, he was Being good isn't always easy No matter how hard I try when he started sweet talking to me He come and tell me everything is alright He kiss and tell me everything's alright Can I get away again tonight? The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a 
preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man Yes, he was, he was Lord, he was Yes, he was How will I remember The look that was in his eyes Stealing kisses from me on the slide Taking time to make time Telling me that he's all mine Learning from each other's knowing Looking to see how much we've grown And the only one who could ever reach me For the son of a preacher man That will never grow old. It is hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday. We're celebrating women in music today. It is also the day before Thanksgiving. What are your plans? Have you prepared? Are you cooking or are you just going to <laughs> indulge? Will you have a low vibration plate? <laughs> a plate that's ghetto, according to Code Stormy. 
<laughs> That's low vibration right there. That's low vibration. <laughs> I would never allow them to put that in my plate. <laughs> Just let me put things in your plate. <laughs> sorry. Good morning. <laughs> yours. Behave. It's the day. It's free Thanksgiving. Woo! And I'm giving thanks for the crazy. I'm going to have a. Oh, you better. I haven't eaten in a while. And I'm going to have a high vibration plate. And I'm going to share it myself. <laughs> and nobody has to worry about it. It's going to have everything it shouldn't have. <laughs> It's going to now be very high vibration, Stormy. Thanks. Appreciate you. <laughs> Why are you still laughing? <laughs> it's going to be a high vibration play for real. Where whatever happens. My favorite part of it is when, I don't remember her name, is when she said, you see, I was saying that I was just going to just eat what I wanted from the plate. But what Storm is telling me is that you don't let people serve you whatever they do with the plate. What is what kind of country stupid ignorant type of coaching? That whole listen, listen. Okay. So listen. I, <laughs> I don't care what nobody wanna say. My plate gonna be low vibration. <laughs> gonna be ghetto. <laughs> gonna have everything in there it ain't supposed to have. Vibration, low vibration. It's gonna be ghetto. Gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be a ghetto play. <laughs> Potatoes, anywhere. If it's chitlins, chitlins, collard greens, because <sighs> oxtails, everything they're gonna serve. I'm putting on my plate. Who don't like? <gasps> Listen, hold on. I had to find this video. I'm sorry. I will not. Let, no, I don't do what they do. I do what I do. Mm. I'm a visionary. I'm a leader. But she's I would coach. never eat a plate that looked like this. You couldn't even pay me a million dollars to do that to myself. Mm. Oh my God. Because it deserve better than that. That's mm. low vibration. And you took it. I would have been like, I'm playing like that. i tell you what I want. You don't tell me what I want. So my thought process is if you put it on my plate, but I don't have to eat it. I got the discipline. I won't even look at it and look. That make you look bad. I'm a queen. Queen is plate anyway. Mm. About, if we used to have two plates, we played together. And so who's royalty? They would say this person. <laughs> That's a... Good rat. Good rat. <laughs> because it's a lot of people that just let people give them what they want them to have. Mm -hmm. And they accept it. Mm -hmm. And Storm is teaching me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cold Storm is teaching me don't accept what they put on your plate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's good rat. You know, you know what gets me about Stormy is <laughs> Stormy, you're forgetting where you you came from. You're forgetting your roots. <laughs> you want me to remind you because I did the research, homegirl. <sighs> your low vibration history. I did the research. I'm proud of Stormy Wellington. I, I, I applaud her for everything she's done. But when you do stuff like that and sort of just, for to me, she was. It wasn't a it wasn't a coaching moment. She was ta calling the girl ghetto. Period. It was hood rat. Hood rat. Hood rat. <laughs> And I, don't, I can't find coaching and I can't find a coachable moment in there when you're calling someone a hood ratter, which plate looks like royalty. I'd never let somebody serve me that kind of plate. You're lucky you're getting a plate. Be grateful from where you came from to where you are right now, period. <laughs> uh, somebody.
somebody served up a hood rat plate real quick. <laughs> Listen, hood rat plates be the best plates. You better spoil. <laughs> Give me that mac and cheese, sweet potato I, casserole. <laughs> I have to, good morning. <laughs> I have to tell you guys that I had no idea what you guys were talking about. <laughs> Just, I, just, I just had to go search the internet to see what you guys were speaking on. I had no idea. So you weren't in here the morning when we were cutting up about it? Oh I, my god! I don't know. Maybe I you, wasn't. You were probably in a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Girl. Cold stormy. And everybody's doing a meme about it. It is so... What's doing a meme about it? It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. So were they for her or were they against her? Against her. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> that's hood rat right there well you know what <laughs> i want a hood rat plate <laughs> put that mac and cheese sweet potato casserole barbecue chicken fried chicken and a thing you got you put it on that plate I'm I had, right there. <laughs> and, and i when you guys said low vibration i thought because i just went to look at um whatever i don't know what, how many times she have said it i don't know if it's just one video but i see <laughs> just like two chicken wings and a piece of corn <laughs> I thought that was the low vibration plate. <laughs> so I'm like, what? Okay. All right. <laughs> Woo! No idea, guys. None. You know, Frighten Friday. That's what I call people like those who have made it. And all of a sudden, as Rosolo said, they forget where they're coming from. Relax yourself. If somebody want to eat that low vibration plate because it's packed with carbs and all of that, let them be, right? If they're indulging once in their life, leave them alone. Worry about you and fix your eyelashes, Coach Stormy. That's all I'm going to say. Because with all the money you got, your eyelashes look jacked up. But anyway, I'm just Ooh, saying. Okay. Yep. <laughs> let me behave myself. I'm in a giving mood today, Javet. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> Woo! Okay, get it together. Let's get the show on the road. Okay, we're starting off in the Caribbean quarter. Our Caribbean Corner stories are courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. First up, car dealership calls for more tax concessions on hybrid cars in the beautiful island of Barbados. The managing director of a local car dealership has voiced that the tax break on hybrid vehicles needs to be expanded to include larger cars. Roger Moore of NASCO Limited stated he would like to see more incentives for hybrid vehicles during the Smart Energy 2030 webinar themed Electric Vehicles 101 hosted by the Ministry of Energy and Business. We're going in the right direction. The only problem is getting the quantities. In April this year, the government of Barbados announced that it will be lowering the excise tax on electric vehicles for two years. The tax holiday was later extended to hybrids, taking effect from August. However, 
Moore argued that the break was not enough. He pointed out that the duties on large hybrid vehicles remained high. No concessions were given for the RAV4 apart from the import duty, which is 35% across the board on hybrid vehicles. But because the RAV4 has a 2500 cc engine, cost on that will be very high and it still puts it into a higher tax bracket. So it makes the RAV4 hybrid a lot more expensive, so much that you really can't say you're saving anything because of how high the cost is. So they're lobbying the government to see if they can look into that and ensure that the electric vehicles will fall into the same category, which because of the bigger engine sizes, the cost might be a little more. So yeah, that's definitely something worth looking into. Okay. Next story, we hop on over to Guyana. Guyana officers seize $10 million in cannabis. Officers of the Customs Anti-Narcotic Unit, Canu in Guyana, have found millions of dollars worth of cannabis hidden near the sea dam in Burbis. According to a report on November 22, Canu officers conducted an operation on the sea dam in number 78 village, Quarantine, Burbis. A thorough search of the area revealed several parcels. And these were parcels of um, suspected cannabis hidden behind a wooden structure located on the said sea dam. Officers made checks around the area in an attempt to identify and apprehend the individuals, but were unsuccessful. The suspected narcotics were taken to Canu's Skeldon office, where it tested positive, weighing a total of 79.6 kilograms, with a street value of approximately 10 million Guyanese dollars. And investigations are ongoing. <clears throat> Excuse me. We hop on over to Haiti for our next story. And why won't it translate? from Creole to English for me right now. Okay, let's see what's going on because I do not speak Creole. I do not. Uh, but the story is pretty much talking about... Um, okay, hold on, hold on. See, I'm scanning through trying to draw on my French. <laughs> so the story is pretty much talking about the border between Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Um. The Haitians are blocking the gate because they are um, protesting the way in which deportations are handled and carried out by the Dominicans. All right, so hold on with me one second. Let me see if I can. Okay, here we go. Got it to translate for me. So Haitians closed the border and denounced the deportations. Members of Haitian civil society organizations closed on Monday, November 21. The border gate that, and I cannot pronounce it, so I'm not going to even try, but it's a border gate between Haiti and the Dominican Republic in order to protest against the form of the recent deportations of their compatriots by the Dominican authorities. The protesters wanted through this initiative to prevent traders from Haiti from entering Dajabon, thus boycotting this Dominican part of this so-called binational market. In images circulating on social networks, uh, there are videos that are showing protesters denouncing the treatment suffered by Haitian nationals during the last two weeks marked by mass deportations. The problem they're saying is not the deportations per se, what they are denouncing is the way in which the deportations are carried out. 
On Sunday, the Haitian government also reacted to the new wave of arrests and deportations of Haitian migrants by the Dominican Republic authorities. In a press note, the Minister of Foreign Affairs condemned the shameful and inhuman treatment inflicted on Haitians. These actions, according to the MAEC, tarnish the image of the Dominican Republic throughout the world. The government says it recognizes the right of the Dominican authorities to regulate migratory flows on their soil, but it believes that the actions of the president, Luis Abinader, and I hope that's correct, endanger the spirit of peace and harmony that should guide relations between the two countries sharing the island. In this sense, the Haitian Chancellor, Jean Victor, demands a treatment respectful of human dignity for his citizens in neighboring land. Deported by the hundreds for two weeks after a measure was adopted by the Dominican president. This situation is the reaction of the Dominican government following public criticism by the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. The senior United Nations official had denounced in a November 10 press release the mass deportations of Haitians by the DR despite a recent appeal from the UN inviting countries to show leniency towards Haitian migrants. You know, it's such a shame that they're neighboring countries and there's just no harmony. And I, I know many people from Haiti and when you speak to them, some of them have, some of them do speak Spanish because they'll tell you they used to go across the border, work in the Dominican Republic, and then go back to Haiti. So they learned the language, and they speak it. They're fluent in Spanish, right? Um, but they complain about discrimination. They complain about racism. And I'm trying to understand why the Dominicans would be racist towards the Haitians. Um, recently, I saw a video where Dominicans are saying that they're not black, they're white. And I'm like, huh? Hold on a second here. What? And I'm trying to understand the history behind the reasoning, and I'm, I'm not able to get a clear answer. I don't know. Okay, yes. Thank you, Sin. Yeah, wait, wait. I thought I had sent you the invite, Sin. My apologies. I thought I did. Sorry, it was like in and out. I didn't hear everything that you said, but I did hear a lot of what's going on. And just to opine, you know, what I know, because I'm not on the ground right now. I'm not on the border. Right. Um, and this is a huge, you know, I think immigration, I mean, we, we see it in America. We see it, you know, all over the world. Uh, right, um, these issues with racism, colors, and discrimination, um, classism as well, and it's unfortunate. You know, Dominican Republic is not unique. Uh, Dominican Haiti is not in a unique situation. It's actually something that happens all over. But right. yeah, I, I, you know, um, I think so. The country right now, like Dominican Republic, there's a curfew in place. There's a lot of uh, crime coming from. I think, you know, people that are from the Haitian side and also within Dominican Republic. 
Um, even in America, we're seeing this uptick in crime. Why? Because of economics, right? You have high inflation, you have uh, job loss, lack of opportunity. And so those situations are exacerbated in these countries. Um, so right now, you know, a couple of things to note that have gone on. Um, there was a mass murder of a Dominican family and allegedly it was um, by the hands of like Haitian gang members. Um, you know, mass murder of a family is not really something that you see on the island, you know, that frequently. Um, okay. There have been also uh, a lot of deportees from America that are Dominican born that have um, gone to jail or whatever, but um, for whatever reason, they've gotten deported. So hundreds of them are now on the island. This is at, as of a couple of weeks ago. So there's just a lot of, um, and there's a lot of that in general on the island. There's a lot of crime, um, I think, coming from both sides. So um, I think that, uh, you know, hospitals are at capacity. You know, this is like the things that I'm hearing. Um, and it's just a measure to keep everyone safe. Now, is there um, racism in Dominican Dominican Republic, yes. Is there racism in Jamaica? Yes. Like colorism and things like that. Yes, of course. You know, we are unfortunately conquered by, you know, European. And so, you know, what do they bring? It, it's like that legacy of, of uh, imperialism. So it, it's in, you know, Dominican Republic, unfortunately, Dominicans, uh, Dominicans go to Puerto Rico. It's the same sort of thing. Um, we experience uh, racism as well. There's Dominicans living in encampments in Puerto Rico. So it's like, um, you know, unfortunately the situation is not a new situation. Um, right. It's a bad situation coupled with, um, there is a lot of anti-blackness in uh, Dominican Republic that's still kind of like legacy um, from, you know, the fr from the Spanish, right? So there's a lot of that. Um, do all Dominicans think they're white or whatever? No, that's not, that's not, right. you know, but of course there's some that are more, you know, educated than others. I think just like, um, uh, you know, there are people that have been awakened to these issues and they no longer, you know, um, I think that like when you're in Dominican Republic, no one really asks you, like how they ask you here in America, are you, you know, what race are you? Um, I, I don't think, I mean, I wasn't raised out there, so I don't know. But I think that's kind of like an American thing. You have to be in this box. Right. Whereas people, so when you're coming from, you know, Dominican Republic and people ask you, you know, I, I don't think, you know, people just probably say they're Latino and they don't really understand um, you know, what they're saying. So, or they're just ignorant to the fact because they don't have to do that in DR. It's, it's different. So I don't know. There's a lot of craziness going on. Um, I'm not there, but I do see like these articles and I know everyone wants to say like, oh, you know, Dominicans are racist, but aren't Mexicans racist? Like, <laughs> Guadalajara, <laughs> like, isn't every cut, like, seriously, if you have a large flux of, I mean, I think um, there's hundreds of thousands of, of Haitians in the Dominican Republic. It's not like it's 100,000 or 200,000. No, there's way more than that. Imagine hundreds of thousands 
Haitian being in, in Jamaicans. You think Jamaicans are going to, you know, roll out the red carpet? Right. You know, probably not. You know, we're still a poor country and we're fighting for our own resources. So, you know, it's poverty. It is classism and it is anti-blackness as well. But it's not all about like, um, and I think culturally, culturally, we're people that um, uh, is not really, we're so different from Haitians. Like when I went to FIU, I saw Haitians being the most, not for nothing, but the most hardest working people in FIU mm-hmm. are from, are from Haiti or they're, they're, but we are like, not, you know, maybe it sounds bad. We're more of like, uh, and I could say this, you know, based on my family, what I know, we're more like a party. <laughs> we're more of a party <laughs> people. We're not, yeah. we're not, um, we're more about like party and entrepreneurship. If we make, $10 a year, we make $10 a year. And, and that's what we make. Um, whereas, you know, Haitians is just a different mentality. Like we're so different. Yeah. So, um, but yet we have a lot of, you know, common things as well. So I don't know. It's just a complicated relationship, but as with every family, you know, there's sides of the family that don't get <laughs> along. And I think yeah. that's kind of like what we are. We're sides that just don't get along. There's a, a lot of animosity there, but hopefully, um, you know, we can do better. Thank you so much, Sin. I appreciate hearing your voice on this. Um, you touched on some things there. Um, <laughs> but before I get into, before I get into it. So just for those who don't know, those who are listening online, so Haiti and the Dominican Republic share common ground. And they're, they're one big island known as Hispaniola. Okay. So Hispaniola was founded back in 1492. It is an island of black indigenous Taino people in the Caribbean archipelago known as the Greater Antilles. Okay. It is the most populous island in the West Indies and the region's second largest after Cuba. The island is divided into two separate sovereign nations, the Spanish-speaking Dominican Republic to the east and French-Haitian Creole-speaking Haiti to the west. The only other shared island in the Caribbean is St. Martin, which is shared between France, St. Martin, and the Netherlands, Netherlands, sorry, St. Martin. Part of the Middle Passage, Hispaniola, is the site of one of the first Spanish slave settlements in the Americas, La Navidad, as well as the first proper town, La Isabela, and the first permanent settlement and current capital of the Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo, which was established in 1498. These settlements were founded successively in each of Columbus's first three voyages. He first landed at Hispaniola at a small bay he named San Nicolas on the north coast of present-day Haiti. He was welcomed by the indigenous people known as the Taino. Trading with the natives yielded more gold than they had come across previously on other Caribbean islands. And Columbus was led to believe that much more gold would be found inland. Before he could explore further, his flagship, the Santa Maria, ran aground and sank in the bay on December 24, with only two smaller ships remaining for the voyage home. 
Colonization began in earnest in the following year when Columbus brought 1,300 men and African slaves to Hispaniola in November 1493 with the intention of establishing a permanent settlement. They found the encampment at Navidad had been destroyed and all the crewmen left behind were killed. All right, so let's move down a little further. Uh, Columbus decided to sail east in a search of a better site to find a new settlement. So in January 1494, they established La Isabela in the present-day Dominican Republic two years later. Nueva Isabela was founded. After being destroyed by a hurricane, it was rebuilt on the opposite side of the Osama River and called Santo Domingo. It is one of the oldest permanent European settlements in the Americas. Harsh enslavement by Spanish colonists against blacks and Tainos was practiced, plus the redirection of food supplies and labor of the indigenous for feeding Spanish settlers had a devastating impact on both mortality and fertility of the Taino population over the first quarter century. I read that so that we could realize that that happening right there was common throughout every single Caribbean island. The indigenous were greatly affected. Slaves made up the population because they were transported from the west coast of Africa over and every island in the Caribbean got slaves. Slaves were treated inhumanely by the colonizers throughout every Caribbean island. Were woven with the same thread. With the same thread. We're no different. We're no better. We all started from the same place, the continent of Africa. All our ancestors came over. And of course, there was the mixing between slaves and slave masters, right? Hence, we're all mixed up. <laughs> we're a melting pot in the Caribbean. I don't think anybody can say they're well, for the most part, I don't think everybody can say they're 100% this or 100% that. If we're all to do a DNA test, we will realize how closely connected we are. We're more, to, we're more alike than we're different. And we can see that through our food, music, features. Um... To Sin's point, the experiences are the same as it relates to colorism throughout the island, classism, throughout the islands, rather, classism and colorism. And we will sit here and say, okay, it's because of what was passed on to us through the generations. Well, we have the opportunity to say, well, no, we're not going to carry it any further. We're no longer going to separate people based on class or color. We are one. 
We're not going to think that we are better than others. We are the same. And Sin, you are absolutely right. You, when you said the carpet, the red carpet is not going to be rolled out in Jamaica. You're right. I'm not going to sit here and play hypocrite. You're absolutely right. Because when some of them showed up on the shores of Jamaica, the Jamaicans said, get them out. We don't want them here. Let's be real about it. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat and anything. Jamaicans are not welcoming. Well, in Jamaica, they're not welcoming of the Haitians. To some degree here in the U.S., they're not very welcoming either. They're, they, they interact with them, but they try as much to separate. Right? If you say to a Jamaican, are you from Haiti? Oh, hell no. Me look like me come from Haiti. Hell no. And that response is not given if you ask a Jamaican if they are from Cuba because they might look like the Cuban that is promoted by media. Or if you ask a Jamaican if they're Dominican or if they're Puerto Rican or any other island, they don't take offense to it. But if you ask them if they're from Haiti, the world is coming to an end. And why do we do that? Why are we doing that? They are our neighbors. The entire Caribbean owes the Haitians a lot. If we go back in history. The Dominican Republic owes Haiti a lot. If we go back in history. So what is puzzling for me is trying to find out how this started, the disdain for Haitians. How did it start? Who started it? And why is it that the Haitians are isolated? They're alienated by everybody. And let's not play hypocrite. Why is it that they are looked down on by everybody else in the Caribbean? What's the reason for that? And Sin, you're absolutely right. I've seen them in this country. They work. They work hard. They're focused on lifting up their family members. And I'm not saying every Haitian is like that. I'm not saying because every, every country we have our, you know, bad apples. Every one of us. Right? But what is the reason why they are the least light in the Caribbean, if not in the world? And I know someone was opening their mic. Please go right ahead. Yeah, morning, everyone. Good morning, James. Yeah, so, so we have had this conversation probably a hundred times in this room. Um, and yeah, the, the thing is, like, France deserves, like, a hundred percent of the blame. You know, because as you said, like, um, Haiti and 
Dominican Republic are not the only island that that's like split and shared by that by different um you know oppressors right so as you mentioned um the other island um that's shared by the dutch and 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 you know they're, they're pretty they're pretty well organized and everything and i believe that if france wasn't so vengeful for you know haiti getting its independence or fighting for independence um dominican republic and um haiti could coexist and could be just as successful as the dutch island is you know with their you know their other um oppressors that that share the, the same land right um and i think the way how um people treat people from haiti it's it's almost like human nature it's almost like you know they see haiti as you know just imagine you have like a, a brother that or, or a sister that you grew up with and and you're close and then this person um become like a drug addict and the person just come in and and, and you still love your brother but they come and and they are a menace because they they you know use up your food and they, you, you have to hide all your stuff when they come visit and stuff like that that's how people treat um Haiti like it's not you know when you're when you're a country or an island that's um or that you are experiencing prosperity as a country and you migrate you you are received much better coming into any country that you're visiting than when you are coming from a country that's like oppressed and and depraved or, or, or people would describe it you know pretty much jamaicans pretty much get the same treatment too like a lot of times when you go to other borders sometimes we're treated like like criminals because they see the crime rate and they're like okay we have to pull you aside and search you uh, and stuff like that so i believe that that's the treatment that a lot of people in the caribbean other places in the world treat people from from haiti and it's unfortunate because you know haiti have a lot of natural resources haiti had a lot of first in 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 this side of the world and i sincerely i i really do believe that if france you know was not allowed to, to have their knees on the neck of 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 the, the haitian people we would we would be having a different conversation you know well but what I'm trying to understand, James, is where is this hatred for Haiti coming from? That's no, what I'm because, trying to understand. Yeah, because no, because it's colonial. Remember, like black people were taught to hate themselves, and 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 even over the decades, people were were were, were taught to hate the people of like the, their their religious belief. Okay, we accept Christianity, we accept that Jesus is white, even though he's from the Middle East. We accept that him can walk from water. We accept all of those stuff. And then Haiti, African indigenous religion, we call it Obia, witchcraft, and evil, and stuff like that. So we, they, the, the, the media, the, the, the people with the power were able to, to, to kind of put in our mind that these people, the same way that they're... Hold on, stick up in right there. One second, James. But that quote-unquote witchcraft, obion, voodoo, whatever you want to call it, 
It's practiced in every Caribbean island. It's practiced in Brazil. It's practiced in Colombia. It's practiced in Venezuela. It's practiced in the entire um, Latin America. Yeah, moments, rem so, remember, it was practiced along with Christianity. Christianity was booted out of Haiti 100%. So that's but the right. same thing happens in Jamaica. They mix Christianity with Obia in Jamaica. No, I but, know, but that's the thing that they mix it in Haiti. It was it, Christianity was booted out one hundred percent. There were no Catholic church. They, 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 they were they were not able to to colonize Haiti at the time with their religion. It's it's since recent time now. Um, Haiti accept Christianity. Can I add? So that's All right. Add? Hold on a second, James. Go ahead, Sin. So also be that there's no white co-signers so white people love going to dr they love going to punta cana they love going to um jamaica they love going to all these other islands but you don't really see white people going to cuba i mean i'm sorry haiti haiti right, right? so it's could it be that you know it's just anti-blackness it's like haiti doesn't have that white um the sort of like the endorsement of white people and that's why it's uh you know people like to talk trash about haiti i don't know i grew up in an era where um a lot of people did just did not want to admit they were haitian so i really didn't you know uh, uh, until the fujis came out that's when everyone was like oh i'm haitian i'm haitian i'm haitian and they had like haitian flag day in school and stuff like that but i was just like i was always kind of like like, who cares? Who cares if whoever you're from just rep wherever you're from? But, of course, that's easy for me to say. Um, of, you know, it seems like a lot of Haitians were experiencing a lot of discrimination. But most of the Haitians that I grew up around didn't admit they were Haitian until later on. They always said they were Jamaican or from whatever island. But they, a lot of people just would not say they were from Haiti. Let me ask you a question, Sin. Did you ever ask any of them why they did not acknowledge that they were Haitian? Nah, I don't like it. Isn't you can tell me you're from Zimbabwe. Like, I what does it have to do with me? I don't care. <laughs> like, right. I, I'd be like, okay, cool. Because Lord knows, um, I love a Haitian patty. Like, and I love pickles. And I love, I prefer Haitian rice over Dominican rice any day. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, you tell me, oh, you're Haitian. Oh, dope. Like you told me you're from anywhere. Oh, like, I don't, it doesn't have anything. It doesn't affect me in any way. So what, why would I care? Like, right. And that's, and that is the mentality we're supposed to have, right? Sin, it shouldn't matter because as you talk about the food, our foods are similar throughout the Caribbean. They just have different names or there, there are variations to how they're prepared, but ultimately they're the same thing. And guess where it all originates from? Africa. Can I? Right? Yes. Go. I was going to get to you, Javette. Go right ahead. So you guys know I grew up in New York City from the Caribbean. So when I was younger, um, I, I, I hate to say this, but what it's like old wives' tales mm -hmm. and why my friends did not mention where they were from was because of that wives tale that the their religious practice and that their island was cursed 
because like I don't even want to go too far in it, but it was just old nonsense verbiage that has passed from years to years to years. And just like Sin said, in New York, being from Haitian descent did not become popular until Wyclef and, you know, Lauren and all of them. So that that was just the only reason why they didn't want to say that. Hmm. Wow. So I know what I was fed is what many people throughout the world were fed about Haiti. They showed you one um, that Haitians only looked one way. So I remember it was in 2000 and no, 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 I'm lying. Let's back up. It was 1997 to be exact. 1997, I was here for a week and a friend of mine, she worked at AT&T back then. And her and another co-worker would carpool to work. He's Haitian. So I was expecting him to look a particular way. When she pulled up and he came out, I'm like, oh, where is he? She said, oh, that's him right there. I'm like, he's Haitian? She's like, yeah. We would look at him and we would think he's of Latin descent because he's of fair complexion with the straight hair, right? So we would think, okay, some, I'm like, Haiti has people that look like that? She's like, you'd be surprised. And I remember talking to my parents. I'm like, I saw this guy from Haiti and this is how he looks. And I remember my parents saying, yeah. You have a lot of Haitians that look like that, but the media does not show you that. They don't want to show you everything. What they want to show you is the poverty in Haiti. And then I was working at a job back in 2013, and there were some more Haitians there. And they looked like this guy. And I'm like, but they didn't have Haitian names. They had Spanish names, right? And they did speak Spanish as well as Creole, French, and English. And I was like, huh. So why is it? That, and they do this with third world countries. They show you, they do it with Brazil too. They select what they want to promote about each country skewing your view that this country is only filled with dark-skinned afro um descendants the truth is that's not the case and so because they do that it creates a division right it does whether you want to say it is subliminal subtle or blatant a division is created and uh, Peter, your mic is open. Your mic is open, Peter. Right. And they do it with a negative connotation. And it's wrong. The media and governments that support the narrative that is pushed by media, 
needs to be addressed. Because it is those narratives that are pushed that cause us to treat each other differently. Remember I said earlier, we all have the same history. I remember in Jamaica, coming from Africa was looked down on. Who, me? Africa? Hell no. And let's not play hypocrite with that either. Because what was portrayed to us is not the Africa we see today that has been there. I remember again when my parents said they were going to Africa for vacation. They were going to go to a couple of countries. And I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm not going. Uh -uh. Leave me. I will stay with my aunt and my cousin in Florida. I didn't go. They went to the Ivory Coast. They went to Ghana. They went to Sierra Leone. And a couple more countries. And they did some countries in North Africa. And I remember them coming back and saying, oh my gosh, absolutely beautiful. My father would say he had seen some of the most beautiful women in his life in Africa. Absolutely gorgeous. And again, it's the narrative that's pushed by the media, supported by the government. Or is it that the government says to push this narrative and the media has no choice. Right? Hold on, James. We have the power to change the narrative. And I'm very grateful for the advancement of technology that allows you to get a window into the different worlds. And I call them worlds that are out there. And we need to educate ourselves. We need to let go of our discriminations because we all have them. Stop thinking that because people are from a particular country, they're only this way. They're evil or they're bad or they're only murderers. No, we need to stop that. There is good and bad in every single one of us, in every single country throughout the world. There is good. And there is bad. But countries also will choose to make it look as though it is a particular group of people that is causing an issue in, their, in that said country. They will. So let us change our views. Let us educate ourselves. Watch documentaries. They're all over YouTube. Go on Google. Learn. Learn, learn, learn. Uh, James, um, you were saying earlier about the religious practices. Everything is practiced throughout every country, even here in the U.S. Voodoo is huge, but they have different names for it, right? And who said voodoo was bad? It's a part of our African culture, isn't it? Who told us it was bad? And why did we believe that we should look at it as being bad? In Jamaica, I can tell you, I look at Obia as bad because me only hear where it used to bad. Me, I go, 
I got science mother, I got obvious mother come on and get rid of them or I want to do them harm. It wasn't until more recent years that I heard, I learned that what we look at as obia science, voodoo, whatever you want to call it, is also used for good. And then I had to stop and think, but let's think about the Bible. Huh. The said Bible that was shoved down our throats because that's the way and that's the only way. It also speaks about good and evil, doesn't it? And don't we use it for good and evil too? We use it to our benefit. People pull out the Bible to put curses on people. And they pull it out to bless people. So what is the difference? And I'm done speaking. Go ahead, uh, James. Go right ahead. Yes, yeah, so, so I was saying that, you know, I feel like you said, now that we are educated, you know, with, with, with certain um, things that, that were blinded by growing up, you know, like, no, I think we should force um, the societies across the world to change certain narratives. Like, like all these historical um, notes of Christopher Columbus discovering stuff, those stuff need to be changed and, and just call him like a traveler, a tourist, the most famous tourist in the history of the world. I'm comfortable with that. Seeing him as a tourist and not someone that discover, you know? So like all of these stuff and, you know, YouTube, like technology and stuff, no, YouTube, Twitter and, and all of these stuff. You know, like when I see like our people using it for bad, I'm like, man, because this is such a powerful tool that we can equip ourselves and educate ourselves and learn. You know, we don't have to look at CNN and BBC showing us um, mud and dirt roads and stuff like that in Africa. We see, we see a lot of African vloggers like showing us like buildings that, that don't even exist in America. In, in Canada, some of, some, of the, some of the most beautiful properties in the world. You know, so, and, yeah, like, if, if we grew up in a society that can tell us, like, can look at a, a beautiful black woman and tell you that you're ugly because you're a black woman um, and, and convince you because everything around you, you're walking through the malls, you're seeing white people, you're, you're walking, um, you're driving... Um, on the highway, you're seeing billboards with, you know, with, with their depiction of beauty. You know, not only until, like, recent times, because I've been in Canada, like, 12 years now. And when you look, when you go to the malls now, and you look at all the billboards, you can't pass a billboard without seeing beautiful black bodies on those billboards. And, and I'm saying to myself, like, I'm in my 40s, so, wait, all of the black women, all of the black men um, before... They were ugly, and all of a sudden, we start making beautiful black people know that can go up on billboard. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you know we have to, we have to educate ourselves and be strong, and don't allow them to continue controlling our mind and pitting us against, you know, our brothers and sisters in the, in the Caribbean. Because like with Haiti, like Jamaica and Haiti is no different. Like one catastrophic event in Jamaica, and and our our entire history can just turn around and. And we can be treated the same way. So, like, if Jamaicans, like, treat 
um, people or black people from, from Haiti in any of those ways that you see people are treating them, disgraceful, you know, disgraceful because it's it, it going to happen to you too. And it has happened to, to us as Jamaicans, treated different when we're traveling the, the, the world. So we can't treat our Caribbean brothers and sisters different and, and, and you know, expect to, to just go about and, and live our life like that. So, yeah, like, shameful. Yeah. Thank you, James. Go ahead, Sin. Sorry, I just wanted to add this. Um, the president, the current president of the Dominican Republic, I don't know how to pronounce his name either, um, but he is working with the, uh, I don't know if it's like president or the person right now who, um, because they don't have like a, a, a stable government. I, I don't think they have a president in Haiti, um, but they are working together to build two hospitals on uh, that will accommodate um the people in Haiti, and I believe they're building two hospitals on the border. So um, there is a lot of working together. Dominican Republic has, um, the people of Dominican Republic has, have built schools and things like that in Haiti and universities. So there's definitely, but you know, these are things that um, you don't hear of because, um, you yeah. know, people would rather, you know, focus on the negative and Dominicans are racist, right? That's really what people want to hear. And I'm not saying that that's not incorrect because, of course, you know, multiple things can be true at the same time. But, um, you know, I do think that we work together. And when we're in America, I can tell you that I have so many friends that are half Dominican and Haitian. So obviously <laughs> there's, you know, you know, there's people that are getting along and, and that are working together. So um, but yeah, unfortunately, we have um, we can still do better. And I think that um, we do, um, you know, we're trying. Is it enough? Maybe not. But I think that, like, Dominican Republic's success will always be intertwined with Haiti's success. And unfortunately, there's a lot going on over there. But, yeah, we, we want them to do better because we can't, um, we can't win on our own. Like, um, just so... That's kind of like how I think of it. But yeah, could we do better? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Sin. Uh, before I jump to you, Peter, uh, just another little piece of history. While unified as one nation during the early 19th century, Santo Domingo and the former Spanish colony continued their quest to become independent from the Haitian Republic. Spanish Lieutenant Governor Jose Nunez de Caceres declared the independence of Spanish Haiti in 1821. Haitian forces led by Jean-Pierre Boyer reunified the island, and until 1844, the Republic of Haiti controlled the entire island. In 1838, the Trinitarian resistance, led by Juan Pablo Duarte, led the fight for independence, which ended the period referred to in Dominican history as the Haitian occupation. The Dominican Republic adopted a constitution modeled after that of the United States in 1844. Independence did not result in political stability for either the Republic of Haiti or the Dominican Republic. The United States occupied both nations in the early 20th century. In 1906, the Dominican Republic signed a treaty with the U.S., giving it control over its administration to help with its foreign debt. United States troops occupied the Dominican Republic between 1916 and 1924 to keep the political peace. The United States is credited with infrastructure improvement to its roads, schools, and sanitation facilities. 
Dominicans continued to struggle for self-rule, and by 1924, the United States left the country. So I wanted to read that because it goes back <laughs> to something that, we, that has been talked about in this space before, the United States of America and its role. So because the Dominican Republic signed the treaty, right, they were able to advance. Haiti, the Republic of Haiti, did not sign that treaty. So what happened? You retreat. All right, over to you, Peter. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks very much for getting me on. Um, I am not, I know what I know about Haiti, but I know and also know what I've been taught in schools and all that, but I'm not very familiar on in depth on what goes on in Haiti. But I've invited Carmela Darson there in to join your room and to start following you. Thank you. He's he's a real, he's a real estate broker. He's Haitian and he does real estate. Um, he builds properties in Haiti and he visits like two or three, four times a year, something like that. And he's from what I understand, he's quite knowledgeable about a lot of these things. So I invited him to get a first-hand experience, uh, to give us his first-hand experience, you know, so, so. Are you there, Peter, or is it me? No, he okay. checked out. All right, I thought it was me. Peter, we're not hearing you. If you're hearing us, just letting you know. And I want to say thank you for inviting Carmelot to come in. Carmelot, if you're unable, to, if you are able to speak, I invite you to go ahead and unmute your mic and introduce yourself to us. Okay. Yes, can, can you hear yes, me? Yes, Carmela, welcome to Coffee and Chill. Thank you so much for accepting Peter's invitation to come through. Go right ahead. Yes, yes, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Carmelat. Uh, I've known Peter for a very long time. He's a brother. Um, I'm from Haiti, as he mentioned. Um, I love that country. I go there often. Every six to eight weeks, I'm in Haiti. If anybody would know what's happening in this country, I, I'll have a good idea, you know? Um, but there are a lot of things that are happening. They're just on books, on papers. But the reality of what really happening, sometimes it's not on books. It's what on the ground, you know? So I want to listen more because I, didn't, I wasn't here in the beginning to hear everything and to be able to give an opinion on on this particular topic okay. so i'm just going to continue on listening okay. all right not a problem carmelot so what we were talking about the article the news article haitians closed the border and denounced deportations so members of haitian civil society organizations closed on monday the border between and i'm not sure how you pronounce it o-u-a-n-a-m-i-n-t-h-e and Dejabon in order to protest against the form of the recent deportations of their compatriots by the Dominican authorities. Um, so Oops. that is the headline that we are talking about. And I started the conversation, started first to have a conversation. We've spoken about Haiti many times and what's going on on the ground and the external forces that contributed to the demise of Haiti. Um, so someone's banging down my door. I do apologize. So that was um, what we were talking about. So please go right ahead and give me just one second. I'll be right back.
So Carmen, are you familiar with this um, practice that's happening right now is a question. Yes, I, I'm very familiar with what is happening right now. Uh, it's just a time in, in history where, you know, the people are tired of what is happening, um, you know, with, with, with every country in this world, pretty much. It's not just, you know, uh, Dominican Republic. United States is the main corporate of what's happening in Haiti, you know. So the, those are the big, the big boys that make the decision that say what, what they are the police of the world. They're doing their thing. Um, for what's happening for with deportation, I think it's personally, I think it's fair to block everything because, hey, if we are nothing, every other country is using Haiti as a platform to make money and treat us as trash. Yeah, but you still want to use our platform for you to make money to enrich your pocket. If I'm a good citizen, I'm in the United States. I don't violate any rule. Why should you ship me back home? Whether it's, in, whether it's here, whether it's, uh, you know, Dominican Republic. I'm looking for a good life. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I think it's only fair. Hey, you you kicking people out that you know that has paper in your country block every inch for them not to come in. It's not about just you know Dominican Republic. It could be any other country. And all this is happening is because uh, I guess we didn't take we don't take our responsibility accordingly, and we don't rule as we're supposed to. And it's not just Haiti; it's all the African countries. They're doing that too. All the African countries, people of color always think they are better, you know, for some reason. And, and when I look at them, they look at me and they think they're better. In their mind, they think they're better. But in my mind, I know what the truth is. You think you're better, but you're not. And then I continue on but because I know the system. But I think it's fair, you know, to block the country, block everything that's going on in Haiti, let the people starve. You start ki killing them anyway, starve everybody else, and see how the other country is going to respond. Because now they cannot sell their goods. They cannot sell their potatoes. They cannot sell this. They cannot sell that. Then they're going to start paying attention. So to me, I think what's happening is some, something has to be done in order to get some sort of um, a recognition that the people are sick and tired of other people coming and take advantage and treat us like, like, like crap. You know? All right. Thank you so much. I just got back. So I know I missed a lot of what you said. I just got back. I had to run to my front door. I apologize. Um, yeah. no <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to everyone for tuning in on janorader.com, qmzrader.com. And thank you to everyone here with us on Clubhouse. As we are talking about the situation in Haiti, um, Haitians closing the border between Haiti and the Dominican Republic. We were talking a little bit about the history of Haiti, um, information sourced from various websites uh, through Google. Um, and why is it that the world hates Haiti? Especially, <laughs> especially in the Caribbean, in Latin America. Why is Haiti looked down on? Why are they discriminated against? Why are they looked at as being the worst out of every country in the Western Hemisphere? I, I personally believe it's, it's, it's more like when they want to make you look bad. When you're strong, they have to make you look bad. Haiti was, you know, one of the first black country to get our independence. And we have United States. We have many other countries. Why are we looking so bad? It's just the politics of the world. That is why. There are Haitian people are in 
every continent you know, every, you know, part of the world, and we are very successful. You know, some of us are super, super successful because we understand it's not about what they saying about you, it's who you really are. You know, but yet they, they're treating the country a certain way. I think it has to do with political power because it's not as bad. I go there often while people think it's, it's a major problem to go to Haiti. Yes, now the people are sick and tired. The, gov the governance is terrible. You know, it's not the people that are, like right now what's happening with all the officials they're putting on the list, they are in drugs, they are this, they are that. It's all, you know, going on be between United States and Canada. Who put those people in power? United States and Canada. Who, who, hire, who hire people to kill them? United States and Canada. Who's playing the politics? Those are the big dogs. So it's not just what is happening now. It was a politic that's been going on for years for the Haitian people to be hated by all people because we show to be the strongest to rebel against them. You know, Napoleon Bonaparte, we kicked we kick their ass out. We did all that. So now, but we don't have a leader that's going to stick there to continue on governing, you know, continue on moving forward. They, they just kill our president. Who does that? You know, in the eyes of everybody, who does that? It's not Haitian people that kill the president. It's all politics. So that's why when people hated on Haitian people, I'm like, okay, maybe they don't know any better. But if we know any history, especially all, all of us black people, we should know better. Not to hate each other. Like Peter is my brother. I've been, to, I've been to Jamaica, you know, with him. I wanted to go on the ground. I didn't want to go on a cruise. I didn't want to go where it, the whole fancy stuff is. I wanted to be on the ground. We went to Kingston. Because when I was going there, they're like, oh, okay, we're going to Kingston. You're going to die. No. You're in the matrix, Camilla. Carmela, we're not hearing you. Not hearing you. I think you probably oh. moved. <laughs> Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes, perfect. Go right okay. ahead. Yes, yes. So it's 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 more. I would call it more of a politics. Why everybody is hating hate Haitian people, really? Because it's nothing you do. Stereotyping, I call it. Right. You know, it's not because we are we bad people. It's like okay, so you're in the matrix again. <laughs> you're in the matrix again. You're in the matrix again. Oh boy! You, you need to you need to go back where you were because we're, we're losing you again. We're not hearing you, Carmelot. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so I'll say this: the U.S. government, and remember what I read a little early, just not too long ago, before um, passing it on to our Carmelot. The U.S. is very instrumental in shaping ideologies shaping beliefs, imposing discrimination, creating division. They did a very good job. And they continue to do a very good job at it, as I just read. One it was formerly one country, Hispaniola. There is a division, of course, between the French and the Spanish. The French and the Spaniards. His the Dominican Republic decided to sign the treaty with the U.S. So when you do what we say, you are now the favorite child. Not, but not too close. Don't come too close. 
but you get to sit on the front porch. You get to sit on the front porch, right? You didn't sign the treaty, so you go back behind the barn. We hide you back there. And until you are ready to sign a treaty with us, you're going to stay back there. We're going to see to it that nothing comes to you back there. That, that's pretty much what it is. If we look at the history, that's why I made sure to read that portion that I read in the history of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. It was strategic. And it carries on today. We look at Cuba. We look at Nicaragua. Venezuela. Any country that doesn't do what they want you to do, you're blacklisted. Sanctions are imposed. Embargoes are put in place. Diplomatic bullying of sorts. But what we need to do in Latin America and the Caribbean is to take a stance because every country, the U.S. included, benefited from Haiti and the strength of its people. So we need to show the rest of the world that we stand with Haiti, that enough is enough. Take your knees off their neck. Stop trying to tell them how to run their ship. Stop. We have to do that. Otherwise, it's them against us. You know, it's no different from what's happening in the U.S. within the segregation. And segregation is happening in the, in the black community in the U.S. And unfortunately, we were segregated by the whites, but now we are segregating ourselves <laughs> voluntarily. Where one group of blacks telling another group of blacks, oh, you're not black enough. But when it's time to vote on certain referendums or we need you for a movement, oh, you're black now. Well, isn't that the same thing that Latin America and the Caribbean is doing to Haiti? We're separating them. We're, we are encouraging the separation of Haiti. Oh, but when we need something to get done, we'll call on you. So we need to cut it out. It's one Caribbean, one Latin America, one world. We need to stand with Haiti. Now, my question, Carmelot, is this. What will it take within Haiti, amongst the Haitian people, for them to rise up? We understand that they don't want the U.S. there. They don't want Canada there. What is it going to take for them to come together and rise up? It, it, it has been done before. It just now, it's a different time. Uh, the people are start rising up, and that's why this is happening right now in the country. We got too much infiltrations of the big people. You know, we paying for it's. It's not it too long ago that this payment stopped going to friends, money after money on a monthly basis going to friends to make us pay 
for for taking our independence how we did because they claim they had stuff in our country so it's it's just gonna revolution happens at different time and i feel that right now is the right time and the people start really voicing their opinion they, they start making things happen a lot of people are falling in haiti and i think that's what it takes and a lot going to die in order for this to happen and it's 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 the time and the people start realizing it already but as you say people are going to die aren't there they killing their own people? No, uh, it, it's not. It's not the Haitian people that really killing their own people. Like, let's say right now we have embargo. Uh, Haiti have embargo for so many years. How come we got more guns than any other country that comes? That comes. The the you know the, the Catholic Church is bringing guns after guns to Haiti. They use every avenue to bring guns and guns. And now we have embargo. From the United States, we are not allowed to bring guns in the country, and then you know, all those guns coming from the United States. How? Mm. So it's a lot that is happening. It's not just what we see on the surface. Oh, Haitian people are bad, but I I'm not able to eat. You give me a million dollars, and you give me a hundred, you know, hundred guns, you know, big guns, not just little right. guns. It's all administered by the big guys. You know, the ambassadors and the other guys who are running. So us. let me ask you another question uh, then, Carmelot. Since they're aware of where the things are coming, the guns are coming from, why not tell them, no, we don't want it? Why take the guns? Why not push back and say, no, we have had enough of you doing this to us. This is not what we want the the uh, it's it's much more than you and i because it's a system it's not just an individual right it's a system they go in there before haiti get this way they dismantle the education they dismantle everything a country it's been over six months now nobody goes to school in what country does that happen in this world wow they in, in the last six months nobody goes to school the kids stay at home because so much violence so much this so much that let me tell you, you take a white person right now that walk in Haiti, they could walk on, you know, they can walk anywhere. Nobody will touch them. While we go in the mains where the people cannot eat, the orphanage, sometimes people in Haiti get thousands of, they just wake up and see them on the street, on the floor. People pick them up, whomever get there first, get the guns. It's a politics that's going on. It's not nobody that's doing it besides the big, the big guys that knows Hey, at the end of the day, we're gonna finish with that, with that, those type of people. Yeah. yeah. It's much more than us. It's it. It would take another Castro. It would take another, you know, and like a Duvalier, somebody that knows. Hey, listen, it's do or die. I'm gonna make the decision, and whether I die, I die for the right cause. Like the, the last president, he wasn't a bad president at all. He was one guy that was really pointing fingers at everybody. That's player. Jovenel Moise, right? Jovenel yeah. Moise, yes. So, um, to Javet wanted to um, the money to France. So it's rep, what do you call reparation, right? In so in 1791, enslaved Haitians did the seemingly impossible. They ousted their French masters and founded a nation. But France made generations of Haitians pay for their freedom in cash. How much has well they have finished the. They start. They ended the payment when, uh, recently, if I'm not mistaken, right, Carmelot? How long ago did they make the last payment? 
are you there? Okay, you're you're in the matrix again. It was after the earthquake. The big earthquake. Yeah, but just and also be reminded that the United States government enforced looting all the gold out of the, the Haitian Central Bank for France and send their ships down there to ensure that they extract payment. So the United States government acted like an agent of France to ensure that all the monies were collected to be paid to France. And Haiti is not the only country that France does this to. They have done it to a lot of North African countries. Um, yeah. I mean, the first time I went to France in Paris, personally, when I looked at the the buildings of the banks, it looked evil. It felt evil to me. That's my personal <laughs> feeling. I, honest. Like, I looked at these buildings and I literally felt as if I was looking at blood money. Mm. Yep. Anyone that steps to do anything in Haiti of significant will be a threat to the United States. And that's why Aristide, the, the president, Jean-Bertrand Aristide, uh, you know, they got him off power. Anybody that is for the people, you will go down. So he's smart, he's smart enough. He kind of, you know, uh, bend. And that's why he's still alive. The last president then care is like, I'm going to tell it like it is no matter what. We have minds. And like when United States... The last time they said, oh, we're going to send the U.N. troop because the, so much gun is happening. They want to go there. Last time they went there doing Aristide uh, time, any, we have mountains. They go on the mountain. They take the poor people that's living in the mountain, move them elsewhere, and they move the whole mountain in the helicopter. All you, all you see now is, is flat. Uranium, because there's yep. uranium. Yep. They move the whole mountain out. They move the people, the poor people that are planting and everything. That's what they do. When they go there, they act like, oh, I'm a Mormon, I'm a Christian. They're all full of it. They're all CIAs. They're all agents that are there taken from, from our country. And now preaching to the whole world, we are bad. No, that's not bad. We just need a guy that say, hey, anybody that's coming across this border have to be accounted for. Anybody that's standing like that, they, they, they shoot them down. So Jean-Bertrand Aristide publicly demanded reparations from France in 2003 on the 200th anniversary of the death of Toussaint, a leader of the Haitian Revolution who died in a French prison without trial after he was captured by Napoleon's forces. And he said France owed Haiti at the time precisely $21 billion, 21 billion, 685 million, 135,571 dollars and 48 cents which actually corresponds closely to the low end of the Times' estimate of the losses to Haiti's economy. So the Times also reported that France collaborated, as you um, pointed out, our Carmelot, that they collaborated with the U.S. to remove Aristide after he confronted France with the truth of its history. Yep. <laughs> is, is it so any different not... today? It, it's it's no different. Those guys is different. Anybody is you know who's want to do something good for the country, who speak the truth, who knows the history, they eliminate them. Like that's one guy they just kill in Haiti now. It's called uh, Eric uh, Eric um, 
this is one one of the richest guy in Haiti. He's the cleanest guy. He's not in drugs. He's not in anything. They just killed him. And based on research that's coming in right now, it's the United States who ordered, uh, you know, whoever the embassy is ordered some orders to kill the guy. Because he's the next wow. guy. If he goes, huh? for, he's the next best guy. Can I can I ask a question? It's, it's um, not Hold on one second, Anil. I was just about to ask you a question. Let me, before I forget, Anil, I'm so sorry. There recently, was it last week, there was the, um, an attack on the U.S. embassy vehicle or something to that effect. Is that tied into that situation? No. No. This okay, guy that's named Eric yeah, has a, a he, he owned a, a lottery company called, um, Payton and Lotto. In Haiti. Okay. He's one of the richest men in Haiti. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Clean. Oops, lost him again. All right. Thank you, Carmel. Go ahead with your question, O'Neill. Yeah, no, so I was saying that um no, that's interesting what you just said about the the gentleman that was killed. But so you remember when the last president was killed, there was a gentleman, a Haitian minister or whatever, government official that had run away to Jamaica that they found that they say was hiding in some government, Jamaican government house or something. Yes, yes. He was, he was locked up subsequently and then tried and then extradited to the U.S. The answer for crimes against, because they're saying he colluded with assassinating the president. What's interesting, right, <laughs> is that so there are two things at play the jamaican government collected money from this man to protect him in jamaica but then gave him up to the u.s government but what is really interesting is the fact that ever since this man has left jamaica extradited to the united states of america the case went cold hmm. you heard nothing more about it yeah was it and an agent of the U.S. and did they just wanted to extradite him to do a puppy show, so they could just give him a new identity and send him a merrily along his way. Remember that everything is not what it seems. Don't forget that, folks. Uh, Senate, thank you. The indemnity of 1825, where Haiti had to pay over 150 million francs to France. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, what I would say is that we need to take a stance. Take a stance. We're either going to support them wholeheartedly or we're not. But I say support them. When you are a strong person, when you cannot be controlled, when you cannot be dictated to, you are a problem. Nobody likes a rebel, so to speak. Nobody likes when anybody steps out of line. Nobody likes when anybody colors outside of the lines. Nobody likes that you're looking at a square when everyone else is looking at a circle. Nobody likes when you challenge theories. Nobody likes when you're able to voice your opinion. Nobody likes anyone that goes against 
the dictates, the alleged norms. You are to be gullible. Remember that. And how dare you not regurgitate what you've been fed. You are a problem because you are thinking and you're not supposed to think. You're supposed to fall in line and live the way we say you're supposed to live, think the way we say you're supposed to think, speak the way we say you're supposed to speak, act the way we're supposed to be, we say you're to act. And that's the rule that all of us have been living by. Whether we want to admit it, I'd say, oh, I'm free to do what I want to do. No, we're not. No, we are not. We all have to be careful what we say, how we say it, who we say it to, when we say it. If you want to live to see tomorrow, and I'm done speaking. Go ahead, Camelot. Why are you in the matrix? The that, yeah, you're back. It's the government. It's the government. <laughs> it's the government. The forces? <laughs> they don't want you to speak. Can you hear me now? Go ahead. We'll, we'll tr- yes, go me? right ahead, Cam. Go ahead, Carmela. Uh, I, I, really, I really believe the problem in Haiti, if it becomes problem of every black country, we can solve it. Yeah. Because now we, they're raising Jamaican against Haitian. Why? We are the same people. You know, the only difference is we're on a different island. You know? And because we all come from the same place, you know, according to you, <laughs> but you're in the matrix again, you're in the matrix again. Um, Carmelot, you have to stay still, find a good spot, adjust the antenna, and don't move. And Chief, good morning, stop hating. Chief says you must be using an iPhone, be- iPhone because he's a droid user. <laughs> chief um t- <laughs> you're in the corner chief but yeah go ahead you're in a perfect spot don't move you're you're, you're sounding real good right now go ahead carmela okay, okay yes yes if 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 this problem in haiti become all of our problems as we brainstorming now we can bring ideas we can put our forces together because for haiti they got the independence you guys know all about bookman you know Jamaica had to help. We had to get our best people in line in order for it to happen. So in order for this country to be free again against all those, you know, predators, all of us has to put together. We got to pray. We got to talk. We have to share ideas. We have to be open. And I feel that we're going to need a lot more of us than who, you know, who's in Haiti now to solve the issue because it's bigger than us. Yeah. Yeah. You know. All right. Thank you so much, Carmelot. I appreciate your input. And again, thank you, Peter, for bringing Carmelot in and introducing him to us and us to him. Uh, don't forget to go ahead and click on the greenhouse at the top of your screen and join the club. Pafinto. We're here every Monday through Friday, uh, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., where we discuss current events, not just in the Caribbean, but on a global scale, all right? 
Uh, so next up, we hop on over to St. Vincent. St. Vincent's Prime Minister defends Qatar amidst criticism over the World Cup. St. Vincent and the Grenadines Prime Minister Dr. Ralph Gonsalves is defending Qatar amidst criticism from some Western countries over its hosting of the World Cup, which opened on Sunday and will run for a month. Qatar is the first Arab country to host a World Cup competition. Qatar's historic achievement in this regard is truly impressive for a small, though wealthy, Arab country. It is a mark of the growing stature and influence of the state of Qatar in the global political economy, Gonsalves said in a statement. He said it is therefore unfortunate and prejudicial to global peace, security and progress that Qatar has faced unjustified, even deranged and unhinged criticisms as hosts of the World Cup, emanating from some non-governmental organizations as tabloid journalists located in the North Atlantic countries such as Britain, the United States of America, and Western Europe. Gonsalva said the bulk of the criticism, dressed up as high principle, is laced with Islamophobia, Islamophobia I'm sorry, racism, anti-Arab sentiment, hypocrisy, and profound disrespect derived from the notion that a small Arab country like Qatar should ever aspire to global influence. He said critics snare at and mock Qatar's small population size of 3 million, which is similar to that of Jamaica, for those who are trying to make a comparison, of which only about 400,000 are Qataris. Gonsalves said the rest are, of, uh, are Qatar's population, the rest of their population, are migrants who, by and large, enjoy the host country's hospitality. All right. Um, I saw, I didn't read on, read and read the article, but I saw a glimpse of one where there's backlash that, what's his name, Morgan Freeman is experiencing because of his um, performance at the opening ceremony. I need to look into that. Anyone familiar with that? I didn't follow it up, but I need to check that out. Opening ceremony of? The World Sorry. Cup. And Morgan Freeman performed and uh, people are not too happy with that. Not sure why. So I need to look into that. I didn't open the article at all. So. Is there an and? Morning. Hey, good morning. Go good morning. Go ahead, O'Neill, and then we we'll jump over to Kevron. Yeah, I was asking. So is there a anti-Qatar settlement? Seems settlement? that way. <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on in the world. I, I think they were. Go ahead, Kevrock. Go ahead. He Hello. He got a phone call. Oh, he got a phone call. Okay, yeah. sorry. Uh, well, well, it's 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 kind of funny because um, I'd like to see how the world is going to approach Saudi Arabia, who's trying to get the twenty thirty World Cup. Um, you'd have seen that whole thing with Messi and Argentina. Because Messi has signed a contract with them to, I guess, to assist in some way in terms of influence to get the World Cup to Saudi Arabia in 2030. So it's 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 kind of interesting because I think it's very hypocritical. Um, politics is. And um, if you remember, there was a situation with Qatar couple of years ago where I think under the Trump administration, the early Trump administration, where Qatar was kind of like 
ostracized by the rest of the countries around it, including Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, I, I just think that there's a lot happening and it's all politically motivated by who's trying to control who. Because America is, is hogging up Saudi Arabia. And if you're going to look at um, human rights... Hold on, let me close Sin's mic for her. I don't think Sin realized her mic opened up. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, O'Neill. Yeah, I was saying, if you're going to look at human rights violation as one of the main leading things to exercise a, con a country, you have to start with Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. But it seems like America, because of oil and whatever other reason, they, I mean, the guy who runs Saudi Arabia, it's known that he killed the... the, the, the and, he's and he's being protected. And he's being protected. So it's like, listen, and the other thing, when I talk about Haiti a while ago, I wanted to talk about the fact that the United States government authorized working with France to murder Gaddafi. I just dropped the mic. All right. So, real quick, I found the article with relation to uh, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman's World Cup opening ceremony performance leaves viewers angry and baffled. Not to go off too much on a tangent, but since. Uh, we are talking about the St. Vincent um, article, the St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and the Prime Minister's stance with Qatar. I'm just going to go ahead and read this. It's courtesy of www.indy100.com. He was the actor who once played God himself, but Morgan Freeman has set himself up for a spectacular, a spectacular fall from grace. The Oscar winner was a surprising addition to the FIFA's World Cup's opening ceremony in Qatar on Sunday with his performance raising eyebrows on a number of levels. All celebrities who have endorsed the Gulf state in the run-up to the contest have come under fire thanks to the country's shameful record on workers' rights and its criminalization of homosexuality. But Freeman did not just help kick off the games. He helped promote the organizers' staggeringly and unintentionally ironic message that everyone is welcome there. LGBTQ plus people who are caught engaging in same-sex sexual relationships could be punished with up to seven years in jail. Does that sound welcoming to you? Freeman's contribution saw him called across the stage by Qatari YouTuber Ghanem Al-Mufta and asking, am I welcome? Al-Mufta, who has a rare spinal condition, then responded, we sent out the call because everyone is welcome. This is an invitation to the world. The pair then seemed to address some of the criticism leveled at Qatar since it was granted hosting rights to the tournament in 2010 by suggesting other nations should be accepting the Qatari. Uh, someone's mic is open. Dre, your mic is open. I'm going to close it for you. Yeah. The pair then seemed to address some of the criticism leveled at Qatar since it, since it was granted hosting rights to the tournament in 2010 by suggesting other nations should be accepting of the Qatari way of doing things. Instead of seeing we dismissed it and demanded to see our own way. And now the world seems even more distant and divided, Freeman said. How can so many languages and cultures come together if only one way is accepted. 
We believe that LGBTQ plus rights should be accepted everywhere. And no, we won't make any allowances. Sorry, not sorry, Qatar. The Hollywood stars sketch was met with vast skepticism and disapproval on social media, with viewers suggesting he was in it for the money, but should have put moral and ethical values first. Others found the production baffling for other reasons, with many pointing to Freeman and Al Muftar's questionable lip-syncing skills. Now, <laughs> ah, listen, every culture, every country has its right to shape its culture and its country. Am I right or am I wrong? Who says we all have to agree to the same thing? And that's the problem we're having. That's the problem. So if their stance is that they do not condone same-sex sexual relationships, you're going to punish them for that? But that's their belief. Don't go to their country. It's, you have the freedom of choice. You want to go into their country, impose your beliefs, which you say are ethical and moral and theirs isn't and so because they don't condone same-sex relationships they will put you in jail for seven years if you are caught engaging you know the rules well don't go there and if you want to go there just don't let them catch you how are you going to tell them that they're wrong for that's them and their country their beliefs and their belief system who said that what we practice here in the Western world is ethical and morally correct. We hold on a second, James. We 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 need to stop this. So okay, I choose to live a life of that of a lesbian or a bisexual. That's my choice. It doesn't give me the right to impose it on someone else. And tell them, well, you better like it. You have to like it. You have to fit in with me. No, it doesn't give me that right. If I choose to live my life that way, that's my choosing. Not to enforce it on someone else. And if I go into their country and choose to disregard their beliefs and their practices, I am going to condemn them for putting me in jail for seven years because I blatantly broke their rules. They are welcoming everybody, but understand their rules. Don't we have rules here in the country? If you break the red light, what happened? And a police catch you up. If you make, if you hit somebody down, isn't there repercussion for that? Everything has a consequence. And Westerners, stop imposing your beliefs on people when it suits you. And I'm done speaking. Go, I think some someone was ahead of um Yeah. <laughs> it was me. Yeah, so 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 I was gonna say like and that's one of the things is like you know we understand as human beings, you know, human rights and, and, and you have to fight for human rights. And it's interesting that 
Like, there's so much human rights violation going on, especially in African countries that nobody sees. But you're going to look at a country, which is one of the few countries in the world, right, with um, immigration, the, the immigrant population is like triple. You know, 500,000 um, natives and the others are immigrant workers and immigrants living there. So that means in a country, in a, in a place like Qatar, that those 500,000 people, um, if, you know, as in Dubai and most of those places, most of the local people are multi-millionaires, billionaires. So, and, and it, it, has, it has happened where women have, have moved from those countries to, to pursue better opportunities in in North America because of um, the opportunity that, that women have more in North America to, to do, to go in acting and to do certain stuff. So I'm sure that if you are, a, you know, gay person that lives there and you want to get married and stuff like that, as you know, a lot of Jamaicans have moved from Jamaica to come to Canada to go to certain places where they have marriage rights and stuff like that. So, yeah, they, they can move and go to other countries and, and pursue stuff. So I'm, all I'm saying is that the percentage to take on the fight, to fight every country across the world for like a minority of, of, of people that might want to do something and those people have the power to do it somewhere else in the world, you know? It's a fight that not every fight you take on. You can't win every battle. You have to choose your, your, your battles carefully. And I think that's one of the problems, like trying to police the world and, and to, to fight everything and to fight your own for, 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 for having different, you know, ideas and stuff like that. It's a fight that is it, just too much. <laughs> yeah, too much. All right, thank you, James. Go ahead, O'Neill. Yeah, I mean, I as you were talking, I was just thinking that... um. Since it is, since it since since we're talking about rights, right? If I decide to strip naked in Times Square and have sex, will I would wouldn't I be charged for nudity or be locked up? I'm yeah, talking totally yeah, naked. of course. So, I just believe that for me, it's the unreasonable gaslighting and blemishing of what's wrong or right with a country. Because I'm sure the Qatari is not sending a police into your hotel room to see if you're having sex with your male boyfriend, man to man or female to female. I'm sure they're not sending any police inside your hotel room. So whatever you do within the privacy of your hotel room or home is your prerogative. Now, if they're saying you're not supposed to, if we see you hugging, kissing, making out in public, that is evidence of a same-sex relationship that would not be condoned. What is so hard? Are is are gay people so horny <laughs> that they can't have sex in the privacy of their of, of 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 their hotel rooms i just think it's ridiculous <laughs> that's all i had to say rules are rules respect the rules you don't like the rules of a country don't go to the country when in rome do as the romans do 
Go ahead, Peter. You know, that point that Onina brought up is, it's a valid point, but we have to sometimes realize that um, it's these little things that, these little small steps that they take to convert the, the culture of a nation. For instance, Jamaica was in the same position at some point. The government didn't have any rules against anything. However, the people took it up in their own hands to say that these type of behavior is not condoned in the country. So they had to stay indoors and do it. But little by little, it got introduced, 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 introduced until boom, now it's open. So a lot of these countries are very, 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 very strict. They're making sure that these things don't happen in their country, you know? And as only rifle said, you know, um, we have to, people have to make sure that you're not, you, you're not gonna, go, you're not supposed to go to these people's country and trying to say we're going to make a change or we're going to be out there because everybody, it's everyone's rights, you know? Just stick to your own game, you know? Stick to where you come from and what your beliefs are when you go to someone else's country. Leave it. Leave it alone. Just go visit, do what you're supposed to do, enjoy yourself and all that. But there's always an initiative going on to push further and further and further. Just like, just as how um, a lot of people say to um, say to us, that we have to accept the gay rights. Now we have to do it. But what about if we don't want to do it? Why do we get punished for it? You know, so there's a there's there's something, there's a movement that's going on. That's as soon as you hear these things come up in the news and all of that, it's it, it's never gonna stop. It's gonna keep going, going, going. But they have to start the initial the initial steps. Yeah. All right, thank you, Peter. Um Chile, you wanted to go ahead, go right ahead. Chile, are you there? Uh, hold, hold on, Anil. Hold on, hold on. Go ahead, Chile. Go right ahead. Where are you? You're in the matrix. Is it me or am I not hearing you clearly? You're in the matrix, Chile. I'm not sure if you want to move from where you are, but you are breaking up really bad, and I want to hear what you have to say. All right, try it. Okay, he's gone out to... Oh, no, you're here. Try again, Chile. Try again. Open your mic again, and let's see if we can hear you. All right, we'll give him a couple seconds, and let's see. Uh, okay, later. All right, no problem. It's not my phone, Chief. Uh, all right, go ahead, O'Neill. We'll take one more comment, and then we'll keep it moving. I, was, I, I, just, I just wanted to make, can I correct something Peter said? So it is, there is a law on the books in Jamaica called the Boogery Law um, that mandates that it's illegal for same-sex. It's more geared to men, I think. Um, and that is a law that we... Ad- that we inherited from the British system. Um, and so I just wanted to clear that up. The whole thing of, it's still not legal in Jamaica, but it's, the law is the same. You keep, you're not supposed to engage in sexual activities publicly in the same way that nudity, or if a policeman catch you having sex in your car, in Kingston, you can be charged for it. 
um, but I'm talking about heterosexual couples. Um, so it's really about, if you're going to talk about ethics and moral, it's really about keeping your sex life private. Um, it's about moderation. It's about, um, you know, public display of, of anything that, because if a heterosexual couple is having sex in public, it is seen as something wrong because you are, you are, you're exposing other people to activities that they should have the right to not be exposed to. So I just think it's, it, this is pretty much something I think should be universal. Um, whatever you do in the privacy of your bedroom or the privacy of wherever you find private is your prerogative. To, 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 to affront that behavior to say, I am going to do it. I need to do it in a stadium. You're there to watch football. You're not there to have sex. You're there to watch football. You're not there to, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I get it because heterosexual couples may hug and kiss. Um, and it may look like a double standard. But those are just their right. rules. Growing up in Jamaica, there was no two boys running to the bathroom holding hands. There was always girls holding hands, hugging, going to the bathroom. Maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's hypocritical. But again, there's if you live in Rome, you know the Romans do. We have to learn to respect other countries' cultures, their belief system, right? We have to learn to do that. And nobody is saying that you cannot practice your lifestyle. It's just that when you go to their country, you abide by their laws. Period. End of story. All right. Okay, next story. Animal therapy to be introduced to the Bustamante Hospital for Children. In a historic first, the Ministry of Health and Wellness will this Christmas season introduce an animal-assisted recovery and care program at the Bustamante Hospital for Children. The pilot project for the program will last 18 months. This was disclosed on Tuesday by Minister of Health and Wellness, Dr. Christopher Tufton, during a statement in the House of Representatives. The minister described the undertaking as an innovation for Jamaica in public health. During the pilot, pediatric patients admitted to the health facility will begin to receive animal-assisted therapy. Tufton told the House that AARC is a patient-centered intervention that will complement healthcare hospitalized pediatric patients undergoing procedures or who require long-term hospitalization. And I'm here for that. They do it. it, it dogs do help with therapy. Believe you me, they do. Our next story. So this is a follow-up. Ocho Rios primary vice president, vice principal, sorry, and parent charged after the alleged tussle. The St. John police have confirmed that the vice principal of Ocho's primary school and a parent have been charged following an alleged physical confrontation between both parties at the school on Monday. Senior educator Althea Green and the parent, Judine Greenland, were slapped with charges of assault occasioning bodily harm. Head of the St. Anne Police Senior Independent, Superindependent, I can't talk now, Senior Superintendent SSP Dwight Powell confirmed the charges to Loop News on Tuesday evening. He said both parties will appear in court on February 7, 2023. Why are they dragging it out so long? But anyway, several teachers at the St. Anne School walked off the job on Monday. 
protesting the alleged assault of Green by the parent on the school compound. When asked if he could confirm whether the vice principal had allegedly inflicted any injuries on the, peer, on the parent, leading to the educator being charged as well, Powell said, we are investigating a case of assault, harm, and the circumstances will be ventilated in court. According to reports, a teacher confiscated a student's cell phone after it was used in class on Monday morning. The device was subsequently handed over to the vice principal. It is alleged that another student contacted the mother of the child whose phone was taken. On arriving at the school, the mother reportedly attempted to retrieve the cell phone from the vice principal, who resisted her attempts. A tussle reportedly ensued between the parent and the senior educator, during which both allegedly received minor injuries. The parent has reportedly apologized for her role in the altercation during a brief mediation session, which led to a brief protest by teachers of the primary school. Coming out of that mediation, the parent has opted to remove her child from the public school system to a preparatory school. Classes at the school resumed after the brief protest by the then placard-bearing educators. We spoke about the indiscipline. We spoke about parents not working with teachers. If rules are rules, follow the rules. The child is not supposed to be using the cell phone in class. The cell phone is confiscated, given to the principal. Another student seeks to take it upon them head for contact this child um, parent. And I can, I can just imagine the conversation. But she brought her out of contact my phone. No, I'm going to no such a contact my phone. So I'm going to call up my mother make she come up here and deal with our case. And the mother presents herself at the school and proceeds to get in an argument with the teacher. And, you know, things happen that should not have happened. Keep your hands to yourself. But you're going to apologize. Yes, that's good. Decent of you. But what is the message that you have already sent to your child? For them to feel emboldened enough to call you, then break the rules. Face the punishment, but they're going to call you because they know you are going to condone their bad behavior. Now, I'm glad you removed your child from the school because I was going to say the child should have been um, expelled or um, suspended, rather. I was going to say suspended for breaking the rules. But then the parent come up there and do what them do, gross disrespect, expel you. So I'm glad you removed your child. Let's see how that's going to play out in prep school, my friend, because prep school is no walkover either. Just letting you know. Unless... Prep school has changed from when I went to prep school versus now, unless it has changed, but it was very strict. And probably that's what your child need. And you as well. Wake your asses up and make you fall in line. Rules are rules, folks. You, we don't like all the rules, but we abide by them. Right? They're there for a reason. Primary school. You're going to learn today. All right, next up, Jamaica, uh, a Jamaican former footballer implicated in U.S. bank robbery. A Jamaican whose sources say once played football for Rasees High School in Hanover was arraigned on Monday in connection with last week's armed robbery of Rockland Trust Bank in Vineyard Haven, Martha's Vineyard in the U.S. 
He is 30-year-old Miguel A. Jones, who is now employed as a seasonal landscaper in the U.S. and resides in Edgartown, Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. Jones was charged with being an accessory for the, fast, for the fact relative to last Thursday's bank robbery. A report in the Martha's Vineyard Times said Jones pleaded not guilty to the charge and was offered bail for U.S. $300,000 by Judge Benjamin Barnes. A curfew was also attached to the bail offer. Ahead of bail being granted, Cape and Islands Assistant D District Attorney Michael Giardino maintained that Jones was a flight risk, describing him as a Jamaican individual whose time here is scheduled to terminate in early March. But the Jamaican's attorney, Casey Doble, contended that her client had absolutely zero criminal record here, Jamaica, anywhere. Continuing, she said, Mr. James has been coming here every single year since 2016 for at least five months to raise money to support his three children, who he does take care of back home in Jamaica. He's an incredibly involved father. He coaches youth soccer. He used to be a professional soccer player for Jamaica. Turning to the charges against her client, Doble said people are looking for someone to blame for the robbery. She insisted that Jones was not that person, adding that he was extremely motivated to fight the very weak case against him. According to allegations on November 17 at about 8.15 a.m., three men wearing all black dark clothing armed with semi-automatic handguns forced their way into the bank and removed a sum of U.S. currency. The bank employees were bound by duct tape and plastic restraints. The men then allegedly stole one of the employees' vehicles, a Nissan Murano, which they later abandoned in a parking lot at about 8.29 a.m. last Thursday. The hoodlums boarded another vehicle that investigators allege was being driven by Jones. During the preliminary stages of the probe, lawmen tracked down Jones. Inside his car, they found three $100 bills, two of which reportedly displayed sequential serial numbers to the ones stolen during the robbery. Also found were one pair of white Nike sneakers and dark clothing, which are consistent with surveillance videos and witness statements. While questioning Jones, law enforcers observed a green, vegetation-like substance, which appeared to be similar to the material located in the abandoned vehicle or victim's vehicle on his shoes. Due to Jones reportedly being evasive during the questioning by the police, he was only charged with accessory after the fact. He is to return to the Edgartown District Court on December 16 for a probable cause hearing. Young man, I hope you are not involved. I hope at all. I really hope. Our next story out of Jamaica, new bank notes are expected by early December. Yep, according to Dr. Nigel Clark. However, Jamaicans will have to wait until approximately mid-2023 to begin spending the new banknotes. Clark, uh, Roger, Dr. Nigel Clark, that is, provided an update while responding to a query on Tuesday from a Twitter user in relation to the availability of the newly designed banknotes. The new series comprises six denominations, including a new $2,000 note. They will be printed upon poly, you know what, mess, polymer, 
substrate. And I, I'm not going to try to say it all at once. I'm breaking it up. A more durable substrate than the current banknotes. Let me just call them polymer and be done. While revealing that the Bank of Jamaica has advised that the newly designed notes are expected to arrive by the first full week of December, Clark said individuals will have to wait until ATMs are retrofitted and ready. Huh. The Central Bank of Jamaica advises that the new banknotes will be in Jamaica the week of December 5th, and ATMs are now being retrofitted and the public sensitized before the new banknotes are publicly issued. That process is expected to last between three to six months. Question, why would they have to retrofit the, the um, ATMs? Is that the money is of a different size or what? They have to be able to read. Uh... Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, it has to read the money. So the whatever software they have that um, read for the security features and the money and all of that, they'll have to. I don't know if it's a physical change or it's a software mm. change. Okay. And who is going to pay for that? Who pays for the retrofitting? Is it the banks or is it the government that fits, puts that bill? Well, I like it's a banking company, but I'm sure the, I'm sure they're either being charged to do it or someone is making things. So it's, I doubt it's going to be the government that pays for the bank. To do okay. That. All right. But Money, some software company making money. <laughs> okay, so our next story Water Arch welcome in Jamaica as direct flights from Italy return. Okay, Matuna waste the water and we have water issues. The return of direct flights from Italy is being hailed by local stakeholders as a major boost for air connectivity out of Europe and for the upcoming winter tourist season. In addition to these direct flights, speaks. In addition of these direct flights, it speaks to the confidence our airline partners have of the destination. And that's according to Minister of Tourism, Edmund Bartlett. So government officials, attraction and hotel owners, transport operators and other business interests said that the latest development, which saw the inaugural arrival of Neos Airline out of Milan, Italy, into Montego Bay on November 20, represents an important sign of recovery since 2019 and the subsequent onslaught of the pandemic. Midnight snack. Man caught stealing ketchup from woman's kitchen. <laughs> when I saw this story, it took me back to my childhood. We had an experience at our house. But anyway, let, let me read this. A farmer who was allegedly caught stealing ketchup inside a woman's house in Eldersley District, Magotty, St. Elizabeth, just over a month ago, has been charged with burglary and larceny. The man, 50-year-old Uroy Smith, otherwise called Nachalos, allegedly broke into the woman's house and was caught inside her kitchen about 12.45 a.m. on Friday, October 14. The police said he had a bottle of ketchup and reportedly asked the woman for salt. The woman who said the police, <laughs> the police said was fearful gave him the salt and he left through the back door. The report was made to the police. And investigations led to Smith's arrest, the police said. He was later charged and is now awaiting a court date. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing. What he did was wrong, right? Grossly wrong to break into this woman's house. But thank God it was just for ketchup. <laughs> he needed some ketchup. So I remember, um, I can't remember how old I was. 
Rosolo, I don't think you were living with us at the time. I think, but yeah, it happened in my high school years. I remember we woke up the morning, we went out to the dining room. The dining room, the glass—it's a glass door that leads from the dining room onto the veranda. And the the glass door, one panel of it, you know, removed and put to the side neatly, you know. So. We go in the kitchen and we see, we see a bread bag, hard old bread bag on the kitchen counter. So anyway, we, we walk out to the veranda and sitting on the veranda is a stainless steel container that was filled with fried fish, empty, with the fish bones in it. You know, they left it on the veranda, very nice. You know, them help themselves and them sit down and taking some cool breeze. And they left the tools that they used to remove the, the glass door off the, its tracks. They left the tools on the dining table. <laughs> so the tools looked pretty familiar to my father. So they broke into, so evidently it has to be somebody who has worked at the house, who knows the house, had to be. Because they knew where the tools from in a storage room outside they broke into that got the tools out used the tools to remove the thing the people them they're just hungry but it's, it's kind of scary when you really think about it it's serious your your privacy was um you were invaded and yeah it would better you come and ask me if you can get something to eat or tell me say you need some ketchup because you're not having a ketchup at your yard then broken on my house under that right yeah um <sighs> mr smith don't that don't make that happen again don't make it happen again all right but i'm sure she's grateful that nothing happened to her gotta take a quick break when we return we have more stories for you stories out of north america it's hashtag wcw woman crush wednesday you're tuned into Coffee and Toe, World News on the Go. Thank you for listening live on QMZRadio.com and ChannelRadio.com. Terrell ain't nothing like the real thing. And here is Pixie Love. Your love keeps lifting me. My desire, and I'll be at your side.
never done. Ha ha. Well, you made me love you. Now your girl has a come. What I say? Well, I'm gonna buy me a shotgun. I'm sure you haven't heard some of these songs in a long time. Taking a trip down memory lane with the ladies of soul. Just as long as I am a taller. This song is titled CC Rider, Laverne Baker. Am I a baby? Then I'll look at spat a cannonball. And I'm not sure what just happened. I guess everything is doing its own thing today. I do apologize for that. Got kicked out. I hope you're all still hearing me. We can still hear you. It's the government. <laughs> They're mad about the earlier conversation. <laughs> they totally kicked me out. <laughs> you realize coming out is nothing, right? <laughs> yes. yes. Okay, let's try this again. <laughs> oh, you're never gonna get me. If you have somewhere to be at the top of the hour, you have four minutes to get there. Coming up to 12 o'clock for us here, 12 Eastern. I think in the UK, it's coming up to 5 p.m. To some parts of the States, coming up to 12 o'clock. Coming up to uh, 9 o'clock for some, 10, some 11. All these time zones. Oh my gosh. Thank you once again to all the listeners logged on to the Quality Music Zone. For quality music while you work or play, log on to www.qmzradio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Thank you to everyone listening on janoradio.com. Download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. And of course, I got to give a big thank you to my support system, everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation
happens. I'm Moments with me. You're listening to Coffee and Toe, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Keep it locked. Come on, till the evening ends, till the evening ends. You don't have to answer. There's no need to speak. I'll be your belly dancer, prancer, and you can be my sheep. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at me media moments. On Instagram, moments underscore with underscore me underscore media. And on TikTok, moments with me media. And the mean everything is MI. It's a beautiful day here in South Florida. Hope it is beautiful wherever you are. I'm sure many of you are getting ready for tomorrow, Turkey Day, Thanksgiving. Whatever your plans are, please be take it easy. Take it easy on the road. If you're traveling, be safe. You don't see the tears, just let me grieve in private. Cause each time I see you, I break down and cry. You walk on by. Dion Warwick for that oldie book goodie, Walk On By. And now it's time for us to get into the details of stories out of North America. Six people and assailant dead in Walmart shooting. A shooter opened fire in a Walmart in Virginia, leaving six people dead, police said, in the country's second high-profile mass killing in a handful of days. The assailant is also dead. The store in Chesapeake was busy just before the shooting Tuesday night, with people stocking up ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday, a shopper told a local TV station. Officer Leo Kosinski could not say how the shooter died, but said he didn't believe police fired shots. It was not clear who the shooter was or what their motive might be. And I want to believe there is an update to the story uh, that flashed across my screen. Let me see if I can find it. I... Uh, while we were talking, I know I saw it. And foolish me, I didn't grab it right away. Okay, so the Virginia man, yes, there is an update. Um, courtesy of CNN, the Virginia mass shooter was a manager for Walmart sources. Say So I'll just jump over to that article. Uh, Kevin Harper described the shooting in a Facebook Live video. 
It has since been taken off its page, but was reshared on social media. I just left out the break room, starts capping people up in there, started shooting, bro, Harper's added, adding the gunman shot himself. Harper was okay, but said a few associates were killed. I'm sorry for the victims. Employees recently watched an active shooter training video, he added. That man are covered for that. You kill people who ain't done nothing to you. Uh, so the shooter has worked at Walmart since 2010. He was an overnight team lead. Um, so I'm trying to go through here to see what's different. Um, okay, so let me see. An employee of Chesapeake Walmart where six people were killed in Tuesday night shooting told ABC's Good Morning America the shooter was a manager she was told to look out for. The employee, Brianna Tyler, described the horrific scene, telling ABC she and her co and her co-workers were gathered in the break room before the beginning of their shifts to figure out where in the store each of them would be working. As soon as my team lead said, all right, guys, you know, we have a light night tonight. I looked up and my manager just opened the door and he just opened fire, Tyler said, adding the shooter said nothing. He wasn't aiming at anybody specifically. He just started shooting throughout the entire break room. He looked directly at me, but luckily he missed my head by an inch or two. According to Tyler, who said she started working at the store two months ago, the shooter was a manager she was told to look out for because there was always something going on with him, just having an issue with someone. But I never expected it to get to this level. He was the manager that everybody had something to say about. So while we're busy condemning Qatar, why aren't we busy doing something about gun control in this country? We're busy worrying about everybody else's business but our own damn business. Are we desensitized? Just another day in the hood? We don't care. Ah, oh, nothing is gonna be done. So yeah, another shooting. No biggie. When's the next one? That's how I feel. The things of utmost importance we're not addressing. People's right to live. People being able to move about in the freest country in the world but yet not the safest. We don't care. We don't. We don't care about our fellow human beings. If we did, we would do something about the problem. We are more concerned with the profits that we're making off of the sales of weapons and ammunition. And some of us may want to check our 401ks and see how our money is invested because we may be reaping the benefits of lives lost too and we don't even know it. This is ridiculous. We just had the shooting over the weekend and now here we go with this one. Too much ease of access. 
too much freedom. Some people say we need it because we need to protect ourselves. Others are saying we don't need it because we're not going to war. Everybody is such a coward. And of course, we're going to hear mental issues. So I'm waiting for that. I have mental health issues every month. Now I'm in premenopause. So I'm, I'm stir crazy. Sometimes I don't feel like doing the day. Sometimes I feel like I could just disappear. And sometimes I feel good. Things don't always go the way I want them to go, but I got to learn to deal with it. But you don't see me out there killing anybody. So if we are aware that there is a huge mental health issue in this country, why aren't we imposing stricter gun laws? Make that make sense. Because I guarantee you that's what you're going to hear, right? And it seems to me that everybody who has mental health issues has access to guns. High-powered weapons too. So somebody talk to me. What's going to happen? We, bet we, we might as well start selling armored vests and helmets for us to put on so that we can arm up our suit up ourselves before we go out because we don't know if we're going to make it back home. We don't know who is having a bad day from who isn't and who can manage their bad day and who can't. We don't know. Everybody's a ticking time bomb. So I'm going to recommend that we make vests a way of life and helmets. Put it on before you leave your house. Protect yourself if you want to make it back home. Because nobody's protecting us. Nobody's protecting anybody from themselves, really. It's a free-for-all. Welcome to the wild, wild west. You go to work to make a dollar, to pay your bills. You're struggling it. You're struggling. Christmas is coming. You're trying to do the best you can. And you get wiped out. You get wiped out. You go to work. And you're supposed to go to work and smile as if everything is okay. How on God's earth are people to go to work and smile and think of and act as though everything is okay? People have to be at work nowadays looking to their left, to their right. Oh, we better not piss him off because we don't know what he's capable of. Oh, you better not piss me off because you don't want to see the wrong side of me. How can we function sanely in this environment? I'm done speaking. Just another day in the neighborhood. U.S. progressives reject Republican push against Ilhan Omar.
Courtesy of Al Jazeera.com, when Republican House leader Kevin McCarthy mentioned the name of Muslim American Congresswoman Ilhan Omar at a Republican Jewish coalition conference at the weekend, boos erupted from the crowd. That's a rightful boo, the congressman responded, before promising to remove Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee because of her criticism of Israel. Here we go again, cancel. The top Republicans pledge has sparked an outcry from progressive and Muslim American advocates who say the attack on Omar was unjustified. Some also warned it may be the tip of the iceberg in a campaign at house, that House Republicans are preparing against Democrats when they take control of the congressional chamber in January. Republican and Democratic leaders in Congress should come together to reject this cynical political attack on Representative Omar. And that's according to Robert McCaw, Director of Government Affairs at the Council of American Islamic Relations. Members of Congress should not be silenced for daring to consistently speak out against human rights violations, whether committed by our nation's adversaries, allies, or even our own government, McCaw said. After Republicans won a slim House majority in this month's midterm elections, McCarthy will likely become House Speaker in the new Congress, which will convene on January the 3rd. But even before stepping into the majority, top House Republicans said they will investigate the business dealings of President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, an issue that Democrats say is unfounded. McCarthy also told Fox News on Sunday that he would prevent Democrats Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell from joining the Intelligence Committee. Hypocritical. But McCarthy's attack on Omar, which follows years of incessant Republican criticism of the Congresswoman, was especially pronounced. Last year, I promised that when I became Speaker, I would remove Representative Ilhan Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee based on her repeated anti-Semitic, anti-American remarks. And I'm going to keep that promise. Oh, Lord, have mercy. In a blistering statement on Monday, Omar rebuked McCarthy and accused Republicans of using fear, xenophobia, Islamophobia, and racism to target her since she was elected in 2018. I was about to ask, wasn't she elected? People elected her, right? Yep. Yes. And here we go again with the division in this country. What purpose does division serve, really? Why are the Republicans hell-bent on doing this? Fair, xenophobia, Islamophobia, racism. Why are they so hell-bent on pushing that agenda. What is their issue with everybody else? They're so self-righteous, so so <laughs> no, so circumspect, so perfect. And here we have the Republican Jewish Coalition. Yep, want her removed. Everything nowadays is anti-Semitic. Everything. 
what can you talk about? Somebody tell me, what can you speak about? I can say I don't like blacks and I, it's okay, right? I can say I can't stand Indians and that's okay, right? I can say I hate Latinos and that's okay, right? I can speak out against anybody and it's okay, right? It's okay. It's condoned. Yes, go ahead. Nothing, nothing will happen to you. But if you have an opposing opinion about the Jews, God forbid. You are the devil from hell. How dare you? How, how dare you? Do you know that you can't say anything? Not even think anything? Whatever they do to you, suck it up. Take it. But you dare not retaliate. It's okay for me to say I don't like Asians. Yeah, nobody's going to ostracize me for that. Nobody's going to stop my check, my income for that. I can desecrate everybody else. I can speak down about everybody else. But I can't do it when it comes to the Jewish community. Can we get away from this mindset, please? If you can't do it to one, you can't do it to all. And that's where I stand. Everybody is a protected group then. We're going to protect the Jews. We're going to protect the blacks. We're going to protect the Jews. We're going to protect the Asians. We're going to protect the Jews. We're going to protect the Latinos, the Indians, the Middle Easterners. Everybody should be protected. Nobody deserves the right to inflict harm on anybody. Nobody. So what goes for one needs to go for all. The black history is removed, is being removed from schools. You can't teach it, but you can teach about the Holocaust and the atrocities against their life, but you can't speak about the, the atrocities imposed upon the indigenous and the blacks. No, you can't. No, 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 you can't. You can't speak about them at all. You cannot disagree with anything. The U.S. Supreme Court paves the path to obtain Trump's tax returns. The United States Supreme Court on Tuesday cleared the way for the imminent handover of former President Donald Trump's tax returns to a congressional committee after a three-year legal fight. Story courtesy of AlJazeera.com. The court, without comment, rejected Trump's plea for an order that would have prevented the U.S. Department of the Treasury from giving six years of tax returns for Trump and some of his businesses to the Democrat-controlled House Ways and Means Committee. It was Trump's second loss to the Supreme Court in as many months. In October, the court declined to step into the legal fight surrounding a search of Trump's Florida estate conducted by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which turned up classified documents. 
In the dispute over his tax returns, the Treasury had refused to provide the records during Trump's presidency. But the Biden administration said federal law is clear that the committee has the right to examine any taxpayer's return, including the president's. Lower courts agreed that the committee has broad authority to obtain tax returns, dismissing Trump's claims that the committee was overstepping and only wanted the documents so they could be made public. Chief Justice John Roberts imposed a temporary freeze on November 1 to allow the court to weigh the legal issues raised by Trump's lawyers and the counter-arguments of the administration and the U.S. House of Representatives. So, okay, Trump, you've lost. Your tax returns will be looked at. Hmm. Hope they're in order. Our next story, what makes U.S. Senate runoff in Georgia so important? Well... For the second time in less than two years, a U.S. Senate race in Georgia will go to a runoff, this time between incumbent Democrat Raphael Warnock and his Donald Trump-backed challenger, Herschel Walker. Unlike the last time, the December 6th vote will not determine whether President Joe Biden's Democrats hold control of the state, where they have already secured enough seats to maintain their razor-thin majority. But there is still a lot at stake for both parties. For the past two years, Democrats held the narrowest possible majority in the evenly split Senate, where Vice President Kamala Harris gave them the tie-breaking vote. That has led to plenty of headaches for Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, as two maverick members of his party, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, repeatedly blocked Democratic legislation, including a voting rights bill and spending packages. A victory by Warnock would mean that Schumer, could lose the support of one member of his Democratic caucus and still win floor votes. But he may have less opportunity for flashy moves, as Republicans will hold a narrow majority in the House of Representatives. If Walker, a Republican, is victorious, Schumer would be right back to where he has been the past two years, needing to cajole every single one of his senators to go along or suffer a defeat. Both Manchin and Sinema have had outsized roles in 2021 and 2022 on some of Biden's most prized initiatives, such as COVID-19 relief and legislation related to climate change and prescription drug costs. Yep. Well, Georgia, you gotta, it's not over. You, You still have work to do. There are a lot of campaigning needs to take place in Georgia, and I'm sure they're doing that. Um, Educate yourselves, arm yourselves with knowledge, and vote on matters that are of significant importance. I'm not saying anybody's to vote Democrat because you're a diehard or your family has been a diehard and you can't. Know why you're voting Democrat. Likewise, know why you're voting Republican. Not because you're a diehard Republican or because your parents are Republican and your friends are Republican or for the simple fact that you're, you, know, you will benefit from a tax perspective. No. When you cast your vote, let it come from a place, a good place whoever you choose to vote for. Stand for what's right. Okay? 
I'm going to leave that there. Rosolo, you and your folks in Georgia have work to do. See to it that you're voting. You're, you're campaigning, rather. Getting people out of their homes to go and vote. Right? We'll stand in line for a cup of coffee. We can stand in line to vote. Georgia Senate candidate Herschel Walker getting a tax break in 2022 on Texas home intended for primary residents. Okay, courtesy of CNN politics. Republican Herschel Walker is getting a tax break intended only for a primary residence this year on his home in Dallas, Texas, despite running for Senate in Georgia. Publicly available tax records reviewed by CNN's K-File show Walker is listed to get a homestead tax exemption in Texas in 2022, saving the Senate candidate approximately $1,500 and potentially running afoul of both Texas tax rules and some Georgia rules on establishing residency for the purpose of voting or running for office. Walker registered to vote in Atlanta, Georgia in 2021 after living in Texas for two decades and voting infrequently. In Texas, homeowner regulations say you can only take the exemption on your principal residence. Walker took the tax break in 2021 and 2022 for his Texas home even after launching a bid for Senate in Georgia. An official in the Tarrant County Tax Assessor Office told this to CNN's KFAL. The Walker campaign did not respond to CNN's repeated requests for comment. Walker is set to face Democratic Senator, as we know, Warnock in a runoff election. Politicians in the past in Texas have landed in hot water over improperly taking the exemption, including then-Governor Rick Perry, and have typically agreed to pay back taxes. Questions have swirled around Walker's residency since he actively began exploring the possibility of a Senate run in Georgia last year, and Democrats and Republicans alike hit Walker over the issue. To run for office and vote in Georgia, 15 rules, not all of which need to be met, are considered for establishing residency, which include where the resident takes their homestead tax exemption and where they intend to live permanently. The U.S. Constitution only requires a potential senator to be an inhabitant of their state when elected. Okay. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, just leave that right there. I I was gonna comment. No, just no, not. How do I become a Republican? <laughs> you know, it. Even, it's not even that. I just it's it's remarkable all the different laws that have come to. Um, our knowledge since these past few elections. Laws that have, I'm sure these laws have been on the books forever, but no one has ever taken advantage of them. <laughs> I'm going to say that. <laughs> and, I, and I guess it, this is just one thing that 
for me makes me know that if you want something, you have to do the research. You have to get to know people on both sides, okay? Because a lot of this knowledge have been kept to only people maybe in higher platforms for years, okay? And then Mr. Man, the one that came after Obama, I'm sure they're probably saying, why are you letting these people know all our secrets? <laughs> <laughs> and I yield my mic. <laughs> you have me choking? Yeah. They're letting the secrets out the bag. But it's good, right? Because we're learning. We're learning. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and when I say these people... I mean, everyone else besides that 1% that had the knowledge. I'm not uh -huh. talking about... Okay. I just wanted to put that out there since we're on radio. <laughs> on air, streaming, live. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Excuse me. You had me choking. Biden to extend student loan pause as the court battle drags on. Story courtesy of the Associated Press via WSBN. President Joe Biden announced on Tuesday that his administration will extend a pause on federal student loan payments while the White House fights a legal battle to save his plan to cancel portions of the debt. It is not fair to ask tens of millions of borrowers eligible for relief to resume their student debt payments while the courts consider the lawsuit. The moratorium was slated to expire January 1 a date that Biden set before his debt cancellation plan stalled in the face of legal challenges from conservative opponents. Now it will extend until 60 days after the lawsuit is resolved. If the lawsuit has not been resolved by June 30, payments would resume 60 days after that. And of course, we know what the plan is. Biden's plan promises $10,000 in federal student debt forgiveness to those with incomes of less than $125,000 or households earning less than $250,000. Pell Grant recipients who typically demonstrate more financial need are eligible for an additional $10,000. Okay, 26, more than 26 million people have already applied for the relief. 16 million have been approved so far. But the education department stopped processing applications this month after a federal judge in Texas struck down the plan. All right. <sighs> yeah, that's where we are. So, <laughs> you know what? And, and, and can I say to people that are listening, they are communicating to you what is yes. happening. Because um, some people may just think this is just a back and forth and it's not really going to happen. My daughter is one of the recipients. And she's getting communications. Good. Good, good, good. I don't know. Can we just hurry up with this and get it over with? Get the people to help, the relief that they need. We need a break. I haven't heard anything yet. I, I submitted my application. But I haven't got any word from them yet if it was received. 
process. It was approved. Nothing. I haven't got anything. But we have to continue. Check your emails every day, folks. Check your emails if you applied. All right, another quick break. And then we'll be back with more stories. everyone listening on qmcradio.com and johnnowradio.com and thank you to everyone here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens i'm moments with me and you're listening to coffee in tow world news on the go every monday through friday 9 a.m to 1 p.m eastern this is where i read the news and we share our views who remembers this one Mr. Lee, 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 Mr.
are songs we would typically hear on a Sunday growing up in Jamaica. Oh, yeah. Whether you're listening to RJR or JBC, the only two stations, when I was growing up on radio. And you would look forward to these songs. Made you feel good. for some stories from the international scene. Germany to withdraw troops from UN and Mali mission by May 2024. Story courtesy of aljazeera.com. Germany will withdraw its troops from the United Nations peacekeeping mission in Mali by May 2024, a government spokesman has said, becoming the latest country to announce its pullout from the rebellion hit country. The government will propose to parliament that Germany's commitment to the MINUSMA operation be extended in May 2023 for the last time by a year in order to bring this mission to a structured end after 10 years. The decision had particularly taken into account Mali's planned elections in February 2024. Following these talks between Chancellor Olaf Scholz and his coalition partners, the Greens and Liberal FDP. German military missions overseas require a mandate from Parliament, which is typically granted on an annual basis. And UK's top court rejects Scotland's independence referendum bid. I didn't even know that a referendum bid was put in. The United Kingdom's top court has ruled the Scottish government cannot hold a second referendum on independence next year without approval from the British Parliament, dealing a blow to nationalists' hopes of holding a vote in 2023. In 2014, Scots rejected ending more than the more than 300-year-old union with England by 55% to 45%. But independence campaigners have argued the vote two years later for Britain to leave the Europe European Union which the majority of Scottish voters opposed, has materially changed the circumstances. Well, Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, leader of the pro-independence Scottish National Party, announced earlier this year that she intended to hold an advisory independence vote on October 19, 2023, but had to be lawful and internationally recognized. However, the British government in London has said it would not grant permission for another publicist, saying it should be a once-in-a-generation event. Polls suggest voters remain evenly split over whether or not they support independence and a vote would be too close to call. The Scottish government's most senior law officer had asked the UK Supreme Court whether the Scottish government could pass legislation paving the way 
for an advisory second referendum without the approval of the UK Parliament. Well, the court on Wednesday ruled it could not. Under the 1998 Scotland Act, which created the Scottish Parliament and devolved some powers from Westminster, all matters relating to the union of the kingdoms of Scotland and England are reserved for the UK Parliament. All right, so interesting. Our next story, thousands strike for wage increases in South Africa. Thousands of public sector workers in South Africa have embarked on a nationwide strike demanding better wages. Tuesday's National Day of Action comes after wage negotiations between trade unions and the government collapsed. The government offered a 3% pay hike, but unions are demanding 10% amid rising inflation. The dispute between the government and its employees piles pressure on President Cyril Ramaphosa as he seeks re-election as leader of the ruling African National Congress Party. Seven unions representing about 800,000 public servants, including those working in hospitals, schools, and police stations, are marching in eight of the country's provinces. Last week, members promised to stage picket lines and demonstrations outside hospitals, ports, and government offices in a show of force. Our last story from the international scene, IMF and South Sudan sign agreement for $112.7 million in emergency fund. The International Monetary Fund and South Sudan have reached a staff level agreement. This emergency financing under the new food shadow will help South Sudan address food insecurity, support, support social spending, and boost international reserves, the IMF said in a statement on Tuesday. The IMF's executive board will approve the financing in the coming weeks, the fund said. In early November, United Nations agencies said up to 7.8 million people in South Sudan, two-thirds of the population, may face severe food shortages during next year's April to July lean season due to floods, drought, and conflict. South Sudan erupted into civil war shortly after getting independence from Sudan in 2011. And while a peace agreement signed four years ago is largely holding, the transitional government has been slow to unify various militants. On Tuesday, the IMF put the number of people experiencing food insecurity at an estimated 8.3 million people. And of course, you know, they're saying that the war between Russia and Ukraine is also having an impact in South Sudan. Um, the, go ahead. Don't I'm you sorry, go right ahead, Javette. So the lack of food they're calling food insecurity. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm very weary when it comes to the IMF. Weary, not that's not the right word. No, leery. That's the right word. Leery. I'm very leery when it comes to the IMF because. While it can provide or stop a gap, let me put it that way, while they can stop a gap, of course, it affects the economic structure of a country, does it not? Because you have to pay this money back. And along with it, there are, there are stringencies attached, right? 
do's and don'ts. They somehow, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm of the opinion that they control your country to some degree. What can and cannot happen? I may be wrong. I don't know. I just had to pull up, pull them up on Google to see what it is they do. <laughs> um, it says this has three critical missions. Uh -huh. Let's hear them. Furthering international monetary cooperation, encouraging the expansion of trade and economic growth, and discouraging policies that would harm prosperity. To fulfill these missions, IMF member countries work collaboratively with each other and with other international bodies. <laughs> Read that last part again before the working collaboratively. The, the part before it again, Javed? Oh, there are three critical missions. The third mission. What's the third mission? Discouraging policies that would harm prosperity. <laughs> I find that one amusing. Yeah. I find that one very amusing. What kind, what kind of financial assistance does the IMF offer? Providing loans and concessional financial assistance to member countries experiencing actual and potential balance of payment problems is a core responsibility of the IMF. That made no Let me ask me. you a question, Javette. Who's prosperity? <laughs> exactly. Makes no Who's sense. Who's prosperity? Are they protecting? Because as far as I can see, there isn't much prosperity where they're in the countries where um, the IMF you know what? Let me go to the chat. <laughs> Chief asked the same question. Who's prosperity? <laughs> and Chief is an international monetary thief. <laughs> so you create a problem and then pretend to fix the problem. <laughs> I love it. I love it here on earth. I don't want to go to Mars. I love it here. Earth is happening. <laughs> Mars is boring. Them tech people for you, that, not you. I just say I, I love when you bring these stories because I probably would have never went to this website <laughs> if you did not mention this on your show. <laughs> so I will be doing a <clears throat> excuse me a deep dive. Uh -huh. <laughs> A real deep dive <laughs> while working today. Who's pro Today's a chill day. Chill out day. Who's prosperity? You know, growing up, you would hear about the IMF and how they would approve the money to come to Jamaica. And when you're young and you know, understand certain things, you say, yes, that sounds good. Yeah, we get it again. But as you get older and you're more exposed and you learn more and you're further educated, you realize, 
What the heck was I happy about? It's a noose around your neck. And I know I have said it right here on Caffeine Toad that, and I noticed I haven't heard anything else about um, the reparations from UK, but I've said that if the UK pays the reparations over to Jamaica, that they will take that money and pay off the IMF debt that is hovering over us, has been hovering us for years now. And because of their foot in the country, so many restrictions have been put in place as it relates to the, the financial sector, more specifically banking. You know, I know someone opened their mic. Please go right ahead. Yeah, who, who governs the IMF? Is it like member of countries or because they sound like a loan shark? <laughs> Yeah, it's not like a loan shark, like you know, like you know, the type of you know, the, the gangster type was where give some money and if you know, um give them but them come for like your wife and the kids are you know that type of thing. That's what I, I, I can read what they say. Yes, please, Javan. Who runs the IMF? Yes. The IMF is accountable to its member country governments. At the top of the organizational structure is the Board of Governors, consisting of one governor and one alternate governor from each member country. Usually the top officials from the central bank or finance ministry. The Board of, governor, the board of Governors meets once a year, once a year at the IMF World Bank annual meetings. 24 of the governors serve on the International Monetary and Financial Committee, which is IMFC, which advises the IMF Executive Board. The day-to-day -day work of the IMF is overseen by its 24-member Executive Board, which represents the entire membership and is supported by IMF staff. The managing director is the head of the IMF staff and chair of the executive board and is assisted by four deputy managing directors. So what I get out of that is they're policing each other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I was the only one, but that's what I get out of that. Oh, Jesus. Sound like the mafia. <laughs> It's still not specific, Javette. Really? You know what I'm saying? I know. I didn't click on the learn more button. I have no, to. No, we, we don't need <laughs> that. That'll take too much time. It, you have to go Google that yourself. You know, when you, you, you want to sound intelligent, so you put your sentence together like that, and you're like, and people lean forward and like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, okay, okay, uh huh. And then you don't know what the heck just happened. <laughs> I watched too many cartoons when I was growing up. <laughs> Javed, can I give you some homework? <laughs> <sighs> Who he said? You. Me? Yeah, can, can you do a deep dive and see the, the membership country if, if at the head it's like... US. Um, US, um, um, Russia. <laughs> Listen. Um, sure, I'll find out. Um, and and uh, Israel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
See if Francis in there too. If Francis in there too. <laughs> Listen, I'm dead in. I am dead in. Well, it cl- they claim that the parent organization is the United Nations. So, and we know how that goes. <laughs> we know who is at the helm of everything. We know. We know. Yeah. So. They have 32 job openings. <laughs> Can we sign up? I just need a check. <laughs> Our story out of Latin America. Cuba condemns Western sanctions against Russia. Story courtesy of Caribbean.LukeNews.com. Cuban President Miguel Diaz-Canel condemned Western nations for imposing sanctions on Russia following its invasion of Ukraine. In a speech at the State Duma in Russia, Diaz-Canel called for peaceful negotiations to take place between Russia and Ukraine to resolve the conflict. Cuba vigorously condemns the sanctions unilaterally imposed against the Russian Federation. The causes of the current conflict in the region must be sought in the aggressive policy in the U.S. and in NATO's expansion to the borders with the Russian Federation, he said. Diaz-Canel, who is on a state visit to Russia, said Cuba will continue to be a strong ally of Moscow in the face of Western imperialism and aggression. Meanwhile, the leaders of Russia and Cuba have agreed to strengthen ties between both nations. President Vladimir Putin and Diaz-Canel unveiled a bronze statue of former Cuban President Fidel Castro at a square named in his honor in northwestern Moscow. You know, as I'm reading this, I'm just picturing... Uh, Lord help me. I'm just picturing um, the Western leaders um, blowing steam out their nostrils. You know when you watch the cartoon and you see the bull in the, in the pen and it's just steaming and fuming like, how could this happen? What are they doing? I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. I'm being bad. I'm being really bad today. It, it's Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving. Let me, let me get back some sanity. Oh, Lord. Cuba's standing with Russia, and I know America doesn't like that. Are they going to lift the embargo? Hell to the no. It's not going to happen. Mm-mm, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I find Cuba to be the most fascinating country in, in the, the past century. I don't know. like It's like, you know, David and Goliath and... I don't know. Like, I think, I think other countries might have to do a study because, you know, we, we, we know what we hear about um, communism and, and all that type of stuff. But I dare anyone to point out any country who survived in terms of a good education system. You don't see fly at people's mouth. And, you know, people are living poor there, but it's not compared to the other countries that, um, you know, like, Ethiopia back in the days, like even what parts of Haiti is going through right now, to see a country like, you know, survive the better part of two centuries with, with, with like, you know, for a better term, like a better term, like the neck, like the knees on their neck, like cutting off their breathing space, but they are able to provide educated people. Um, 20, 30 years ago, they had the best boxers in the world, which 
couldn't get out of Cuba to, to compete internationally um, apart from the Olympics. So it, it, it's fascinating to see what they do, what they are, what they are able to accomplish um, with the little and still in modern time they're not bowing that's fascinating to me <laughs> let me tell you something now them have a saying time longer than rope right and in time the rope will run out follow me all right there comes a time or there is going to come a time when cuba will just like Haiti, rise up. It might not happen when, um, forget, we, we will never, it may not happen while it, we are alive, but it's going to happen. Of course, hasta luego, querida Rosa. Jamás olvidaremos tu mano extendida cada vez que la necesitamos. Ni estas brevos, pero intensas ordenas en Moscú. Gracias. See you later, my dear Russia. We will never forget your outstretched hand every time we need it. Not even in these short, but hard or intense days. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Cuba is going to rise up again. Don't be fooled. It's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time. Nothing lasts forever, right, James? Nothing. Well, we need to remember that. Today for you, as we like to say in Jamaica, today for you, tomorrow for me. Every day you carry the bucket go well. One day the bottom must drop out. Yeah. All time people knew exactly what they were talking about when um they were they would say certain things. Couldn't understand it, not true. But that makes sense now. Yeah. All right, folks. Oh sometimes I get a good feeling. Sing it for me, Etta James. Yeah. And I know you're familiar with this tone, right? You've heard it in another song. Ah! Hashtag W Woman Crush Wednesday right here on Coffee and So the woman of soul we went way down memory lane. Everything about me seems to have changed. Step by step, I got a brand new walk. I even sound sweeter when I talk. I said, oh, oh. Every now and again, it's good to go back down memory lane and you'll see where a lot of songs today got their vibe from, their lyrics from, some of their words from.
takes two, baby, me and you. Thank you to all the listeners that logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Keep it locked on to QMZ Radio for quality music while you work or play to help you get through your day. And thank you to everyone who tuned in and listened online on JohnnoRadio.com. Download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. And thank you to each and every one of you that joined me here on Clubhouse. Couldn't do it without you. You make the conversation happen. My moments with me and you were listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at me media moments, on Instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok moments with me media. And the me in everything is M I. Whatever you do, wherever you go, I do ask that you please be safe. Have yourselves a wonderful rest of the day, an amazing Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful Friday and weekend, and we'll be right back here on Monday. Monday morning. Not sure what you're doing, but, you know, if you're going anywhere, remember, grab yourself a low vibration plate, right? Grab yourself a hood wrap plate, pack it up with that mac and cheese and everything that's bad for you. Don't worry about Coach Stormy. She ain't ain't doing nothing for you. Um, Eat what you want to eat. Feel good for that day. When you're done, Put your feet up and snore. <laughs> yes, um, not sure what I'm doing. Keeping it low key, definitely. Um, right now, I don't feel like doing a damn thing, but wrapping up in my bed, <laughs> getting catching up on some sleep, some well-deserved sleep. Yeah. All right, thank you everyone that joined us in the audience, Mike, MK, and everyone else that was there earlier. Thank you to everyone who was on the stage with us, DJ Naturalist, Marlon, Chief, James, and everyone else who was here earlier. And definitely thank you to my co-mods, Javed Sinet, and Rose Solo. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving break. Take good care of yourselves. See you Monday morning, all right? Going to close out the room now in three, two, one. Take care.